1-5 against the Brewers. Unbelievable. Raise the Jolly Roger in the rain. Enjoy the break. Can you believe it? Happy Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Brown just climbs into a cannon and shoots himself out of it. <laughs> Sing out to the brain! <laughs> <laughs> he just gets blown out of the stadium. Just flies away. Greg Brown's flying home. <laughs> He's just screaming over the city. The whole <laughs> ah! Enjoy it, Dormont! Enjoy the brain! Ah! Randy Bellman. And the DVE Morning Show. I mean, he must have been losing his mind yesterday. What a day for the Buckos. Mike Pursuit will have more on that coming up, but uh, they have decided to make a run, and then they cap off their amazing day with two huge acquisitions by beating the Cubs 5-4. to four. David Fries and uh, Jameson Tyone leading them uh, in that W there. So all of a sudden, hope springs eternal for your Buckos. They are set up to make a run. There are a few back. There's there's some ground to make up, but uh, the fans are pretty damn excited right now. I want to go to a game. There you yeah, go. Me too. Mission accomplished. What is it? One eight hundred bucks or something like that. That that's not sure. enough. That's not. That's not <laughs> sure. enough numbers. Bucks cash or there's four le- there's four digits missing somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Bucksforgold.com, I think. <laughs> it's a website. The Pirates uh, have uh, done the unthinkable. They have spent capital at the trade deadline and uh they have uh acquired both chris archer and is it keone kayla Mm -hmm. and uh they you know look they're they're poised they are poised to make a run Mm -hmm. we'll talk with steven nesbitt from the post gazette later about that 745 also pirates pitcher joe musgrove will be on the show at 915 he's super psyched if his tweets are any indication about his uh level of anticipation then uh he's uh He's beaming. Also, Mark Madden. We got Rocky Blyer and Gene Collier on the show today talking about the reissue of Fighting Back. Uh, And also, we'll talk with Rocky about his Hall of Honor induction for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, of course, Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle, hanging out with us here on a Wednesday morning. Val's got news for you first. What's up? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 70 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Les Moonves is not facing charges in a sexual abuse case out of Los Angeles. An acquaintance of Moonves went to police in February to tell them about three incidents that happened in the 80s involving the CEO of CBS. Prosecutors tell NBC News the statute of limitations has expired and said yesterday they are not pursuing that case. Moonves is the focus of a recently published article in which he's accused of inappropriate behavior and the CBS board of directors say they are looking for outside counsel to investigate. Uh, Ronan Farrow is just uh, blazing a trail, isn't he? Mm -hmm. I didn't get to read that article. I did see a little bit of the Colbert show the other night where he addressed it. Mm -hmm. I mean, taking on his boss, you know, the guy who's defended him and kept his show uh, alive early on when people were criticizing it. And he went out there and he's like, yeah, well, got to go out, you know, got to treat everybody equally. Right. That had to be a pretty uh, tough thing for those guys to do there at CBS. I still feel like Colbert's show should just be called Colbert Addressing It. And that's because <laughs> that seems like that's all he does yep. anymore. <laughs> You're not wrong. Although that episode I watched had a lot of funny parts to it. It moves really quick. It, I haven't really watched it uh, because I was on vacation. Like, you know, me and my family were watching it and... Um, it it really has a pace to it, like it's frenetic. Yeah, 
they really move around. Try to pack a lot in. Yeah, they really move around a lot. I guess that's just all late night television now. There's like no wasted space (laughs) at all. I have always felt that the way about even like the Today Show. Like if you ever watch the Today Show, they are trying to sandwich so much in that they borderline are rude to guests. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, all right, we got celebrity chef. Listen, listen, we've got 30 seconds to a break. Yeah, tell me what you're doing with this gingerbread house right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Uh okay. uh All right, that's uh great. All uh right, kick it over to Al. Okay. My favorite thing that the Today Show does is when they preview an interview coming up and they show the celebrity or non-celebrity sitting on the stool in the studio waiting to be interviewed and they just as they're going to commercial and the person has to just sit there and wave at the camera and smile and someone is talking but you can't you know they have to just sit there they couldn't respond to anything and they have to make this hi yeah how are you it's three seconds Uh, too long can you take the camera off now Thanks. All right. Just no, awkward I still have to fake smile. All right, fine. I'll just give the thumbs up. Oh, there's a last ditch effort. You do that. I'm very happy to be here, mime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Facebook officials say they've sniffed out another influence operation ahead of the 2018 midterm elections. The social media giant told Congress it removed 32 pages and accounts from Facebook and Instagram that it deemed fake and engaged in political efforts to influence this year's midterm elections. Facebook said the current investigation is just beginning and it can't yet tie those fake accounts it disabled to Russia at this time. Filmmakers are coming to Pittsburgh looking for a boy to play the lead in a new baseball movie. Casting directors are looking for Caucasian boys between the ages of four and seven to play the lead in The Boy Who Knew Too Much. The film is based on the real-life story of Christian Haupt, whose mother claims he is the reincarnation of baseball legend Lou Gehrig. Uh, that's a true story? Uh, apparently so. Hmm. I have a nearly four-year-old, and I can't imagine getting him to, like, block lightings, <laughs> lighting cues and uh, <laughs> emote. Uh, that's going to be a no, tough one. Demand. It really is creepy when you think about how good some kid actors are when you <laughs> no. actually have a kid. I'm like, do I? either I have total mush here or <laughs> these kids are possessed or something this is not normal civil rights mush. advocates total mush. my kid is mush civil rights <laughs> advocates are calling the tsa's quiet skies program absurd and possibly a violation of people's rights the program identifies individuals for intensive monitoring during flights An air marshal is assigned to watch the individual and take detailed notes on a behavior checklist. TSA issued a statement saying the program is practical method in trying to prevent future terrorist attacks. Some of the items on the checklist include, did the target sleep? Did they sweat? Did they have a cold? Did they have a penetrating stare? And did they fidget? That data will then be sent to the TSA. I wonder if you can request to have someone monitored. Sweating and fidgeting? Yes. I'm going to tell you what, I mean, that would rule me out on takeoff. I was stuck on a tarmac in Atlanta for four hours yesterday. There was a lot of sweating and a lot of fidgeting. I don't believe there were any terrorists. There was just a lot of pissed off Pittsburghers. How about any penetrating stares coming from you? I was fine. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I was able to reach a little place of zen because I had a fully charged phone. So I'm like, all right, I'm just working. I'm not going to freak out. I can't do nothing about it. I wasn't hot. It wasn't like oppressively hot. You know, it it, it was at least a comfortable. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, listening to music. I'm scrolling through and reading the news and everything. I was telling Val earlier, right about hour three, (laughs) 
the whole crowd just started itching. Let me out, 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 let me out. People just started going, this is BS. They are like, hi, this is so-and-so from Delta, and we have an update, and everyone would be like, you're a liar! Screaming all these things at this poor flight attendant who had zero to do with what was going on. But there's always those business guys who feel like they could scream at this girl and make it a lot better. You know, so that kind of started happening. And then there was like uh, the silliness was kind of going on. And they're like, oh, we're going to pass out some snacks for you guys. And everyone did the old Bronx cheer. Oh, snacks. We don't like snacks. We want to go to Pittsburgh. We have Delta tote bags for everybody. How's that sound? (laughs) I felt really bad for this person. But uh, also, uh, if the TSA was on their monitoring, I don't know if it would have done any good yesterday because <laughs> it every- would have hauled everyone away. Yeah, yeah. I think we all fit that description. See, I just think it, it, sh- it should be the reverse of the sea in the air. You know how in the sea, like it's international law, anything, you can have people fighting horses out in the San Francisco <laughs> Bay if you wanted to. Yeah. I feel like in the air, it should be total Mussolini fascist oh, government. Yeah. Like any peep from anyone results in, in total destruction from them. You have to be quiet on a plane, no talking, no nothing. I think it would be better for everybody well yeah that's what uh you know i started to tweet about it because i was just bored i'm like all right hour four we're just sitting here what the f is going on because it's delta's hub and the problem was they couldn't find a pilot i'm like (laughs) maybe you should stock some pilots in your hub it's just a thought (laughs) but somebody was like i have a pilot someone tweeted back to me like you know as much trouble as you have uh traveling i'm starting to think this is your fault and i'm like you know what (laughs) (laughs) I, i really i do the things you're supposed to do i'm on time I don't, I'm not loud. I never get angry. I just, but you didn't realize this flight was BYOP. You have to bring your own pilot. (laughs) And they probably didn't tell you that. It's just, it's on the back of the ticket. It's an annoying promotion they're doing now. Do you know how crazy it is to hear a pilot say, like, all right, hey, we have a quick 10 minute delay here. There's a thunderstorm passing through and then we'll be on our way. And then, like, 15 more minutes go by and they go, hey, uh, guys. Turns out we just hit our limit for the uh, FAA. Uh, we've worked too many hours. So because of that rain delay, that pushed us over. Otherwise, well, we would have been fine. Uh, well, the other So thing we you- have to switch out pilots now, and uh, our day is done. Sorry. The other thing you don't want is, like, the, what kind Shift of pilot change. are you going to get if he's the bottom of the bottom barrel? Right. There's, like, a conversation in a back room being like, Ralph's not ready for this. Well, he, they're really angry in there. Just send him in. He'll do fine. It's just the Pittsburgh. <laughs> like, some bumbling idiot comes in all breathless, like, all right, what, what do we got here? Uh, no, I can do this. I just sobered up. I took a, a dip in the cold bath. Well, that's what happened is one guy came in and he was bald. And they go, we have one pilot. And I'm like, that's that's not two. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter if we have one. They go, we have one pilot. And he was like this like happy bald guy. Like like dad, like, you know what I mean? He was kind of like, hi. Are they auditioning him for you guys? And then, what do you guys think of this one? And then, you like him? And then another like guy walked behind him who had this like big, thick, full head of hair and he had a big mustache and he kind of looked like Sully must have looked like when he was like, you know, young. young and everything. And he was like, how's everybody doing? We're like, is that our captain? And he's like, no, I'm just a passenger here today. And I was like, oh, man, strap up, baby. <laughs> I manage the Fridays at the airport. (laughs) That's probably... But I'll be flying your plane today. Would anyone like jalapeno poppers? (laughs) I'm what's known as an imposter. 
Uh, so according to a recent survey, there are some things customers do that really, really annoy bartenders. They include asking for free drinks. Who asks for free drinks? Uh, pardon me, bartender? <laughs> Can I drink. have a free one? I've never asked for a free beer. I've never asked, but I've, I've field owed one at a couple bars that I go to. Cause Just because I'm a regular oh, and I'm, okay. I'm always there, I always tip. Like I just yeah. feel like I never get a, a a free one. Oh, you you need to switch bars then. If you're a regular and a bartender doesn't pick up one once in a while, and you tip, that's that is. I agree. That's you bad form. Bad, you got a I bad agree. bartender. I Wh- agree. Whistling to get the bartender's attention. Oh yeah. Well, that's oh snapping and whistling. Two things you cannot do. <laughs> Asking Excuse the bartender, me, bartender. Do you know a pilot? <laughs> Asking the bartender to surprise you when ordering a drink. Uh, however, hold on. That doesn't work in your local corner bar. Where yeah. The guy's like, you know what, I had enough. But sometimes in those foo-foo ones that, where there are mixologists yes. d- down in the hipster places, they're, they're like, like, let me get my foam canister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've if, been wanting to muddle all day. What if you're on vacation at a resort and you used to say, I like something fruity that doesn't taste like alcohol? <clears throat> That's acceptable. They're going to give okay. you an orange juice. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff is okay. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Asking the bartender to make it strong. Eh. I, I hate when you go to a bar and they're obviously corporately owned and they have the exact milliliter oh, jigger yeah. that they put oh, into the pr- thing measured. for every single drink. That bothers me for some reason. Well, it should. It robs the bartender of their ability to manage the ship. Right. Because yeah. when they're pouring, they can decide how the room yeah. pop, g- gets going. Like, no, no, this guy's cool. I'm going to loosen him up a little bit. This guy's kind of a kind of a D-bag. We, uh, mm-hmm. we don't want him getting too uh, effed up. <laughs> Do a regular pour. Mm-hmm. Those guys, when you see somebody at like, you know, having all their flair at a, at a chain restaurant and they have the, uh, what are those things called? Is it the, the restrictor that gives it a... Yeah, whatever yeah. that is. A um, little nozzle. Yeah, so that's a shot and a half every time. And that's all you get out of those things. Those people are dead behind the eyes. <laughs> like, when you see them, they're like, they have no creativity. No. Nothing. Like, they have it. They're just not allowed to use it. And that's the fun of being a bartender is you get to be booze god. Yeah. Not them. They're human robots. Yeah, that's because they they them. get audited at the end of every shift. Yeah, right. That's the other thing. Those things, some of them have like electronic sensors yeah. on them. They're actually like taking the inventory with every pour. I, I blame bartenders for those though. Like it's a couple liberal bartenders. It's people going yeah. like we're leaking money over here. What the hell? Oh, I had a couple buddies back in the day, and I know we all did. Who I don't know how they kept their jobs. <laughs> oh, definitely. I, honestly, they would be like, what time did you guys get here? Flashing. Did, you know, oh, did you want one too? All right. <laughs> waving money at the bartender always to get bad. their attention. See, I've always been told that you need to show your money as though you are ready to pay. But at what? Uh, yeah, I guess like flapping it in the wind like you're a damsel <laughs> in distress is probably a little bit annoying for everybody. Like, oh, Popeye. Give me my whiskey sour. <laughs> uh, getting into too much conversation with the bartender. Flirting with the bartender. I mean, you know, look, these are all very subjective 
you know. Well, if you're preventing it, the bartender case. from doing his or her job. Yeah, but if you're, you're sitting like there and you're the only two people in the well, hotel bar in Montreal in 1998. <laughs> at so let's Denise. dig into that 401k plan. I want specifics. This says ordering multiple drinks at the same time. I guess maybe if you're ordering 10 different ones, that's. There is. But like three is. Yeah, there's an art to that, too. You have to do it in a way that they're not going to forget. That you like are all like, the beers together. Yes. All I mean, the mixed drinks right. together. And in descending order, if you can, if there's a three, two, and a one, you just got to gotta have their-, their Don't w- be a pain in the ass. That's it, Val. You have to have a little <laughs> bit of like empathy for what they have to do and remember. And if you're cool about it, they'll always be like, okay, first one, three Bud Lights. Okay, let me get those first. Yeah. And then they'll they'll tell you like, hold on. But if they can remember it, as long as you're not like, oh, wait, no. And then, um, um. What did you want? There is oh, nothing yeah, worse that. than when you're at a crowded bar and someone is waiting. They go, okay, what do you want? And they go, um, yeah. about a Mai Tai with vodka. Is this vodka. your first time? Do you guys have Jägermeister? I don't like that. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let me try again. Uh, right. And then finally, refusing to use a coaster or a napkin. Duh. That doesn't seem like that such seems a, like a if my fl- if my feet are sticking to your floor, I'm not using a damn coaster. <laughs> <laughs> now, since we're in the you know the the age in America where we're having difficult, maybe uncomfortable conversations, can I bring up potentially a difficult, uncomfortable conversation? <laughs> and it revolves tipping sure. bartenders. Ah, uh-huh. must I tip because you popped the top on my Miller Lite? Yes. Yeah. Why? That's probably a dollar. Yeah, I know it's a dollar a bottle. I think I'm with Val and Randy. I just want to know why, though. Do you want to get another beer? (laughs) Yes, but I I don't like the fact that that's lorded. Like, I went to a bar one time where a guy didn't tip, and literally the bartender, like, shouted him down and was just like, don't order another beer from this bar, like, blah, blah, blah. And so the guy was like, "Uh, all right, I guess I'm leaving then. And that just always sat in my soul as being like, you know, I'm paying money for the for the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I don't understand why it's being held hostage now. I get, I sort of do get it because they have to put up with a lot of bull crap. But I just think You're it's something the guy's palm for yeah, access. It's a, it's basically. a it's just a totally accepted bribe. Well, it is also a social contract that you're entering into when you go into the bar because those guys are not getting paid. That's so, true. So when you go into a bar, you are making this conscious decision and agreement. I will uh, pay or remunerate the guy behind the bar for being my servant because he, you know, socially we're probably on the same level, but for this exchange, you work for me, pal, and then you make it symbiotic. Thanks for running around. They usually only make enough to, you know, whatever that's going to get deducted from their check or whatever. But see, do you ever feel in the bartender ordering a, a drink situation that you have the power in that situation? Oh, you mean as the customer? Yeah, I don't. Um, well, there's another total reason to call. It. There's another reason to do it, right there. Yeah, if you want another drink, you so just, you're paying to play. Ten yeah. big up front. Yes, I am. That's why I still think they should just go to a deli system. Just everybody pick a number. Take a number. Yeah. See, what what you're aspiring to can be easily achieved by staying home and drinking. That is true. <laughs> well, the you other have problem to, you have to. Engage in the sort of social construct of the the bar, the saloon, the tavern. I also have uh, what I've deemed in in what must be in bartender speak as a gray face, 
which means that I am ignored at every single oh human God. moment. At, yeah. at, I could be I could be waving money in their face, and they'd be like, the next person, who's the guy? Who? That, okay. Right to your I, left? Yeah. I was in South Beach uh, several years ago, and uh, I remember thinking, I have to stop going to places where I am the ugliest person <laughs> by a thousand, because <laughs> I was, nobody would wait on me at all. I'm like, come on, I know I don't have one of those shirts, but please... Well, I that's, just want some vodka. My money spends too. That's why, honestly, that's why Cheers was such a hit show. It's so true. Everybody just wants to go somewhere where people recognize them. Like, I will go to a bar specifically for the bartender. I don't care where it is. I don't care if the bar sucks. If I know the bartender, I know I'm going to get just a little bit of preferential treatment. That is true. I'll go. And then I I want to tip that Then I'm happy because, to. I'm happy hey, to I'm tip. Hey, I'm supporting you. Yeah. I'm a fan of you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm investing in you. Now get me a beer. <laughs> Finally, and detectives are searching. <laughs> detectives are searching for a troll who is harassing Corey Feldman. He claims the person or persons have been talking about the actor getting sexually assaulted. One tweet said, if longing to see at Corey Feldman get gang raped in prison is wrong, I don't want to be right. It's aggressive. On, Wait, on Instagram, what? a user commented 17 times that Corey is a rapist. The star has long claimed to have been the victim of pedophiles in Hollywood, and according to TMZ, he and his family are in fear for their lives due to the nature of the messages. The gossip blog says there are four different Twitter accounts that have been harassing Corey, and investigators are trying to trace those IP addresses to find the culprit. Showers and thunderstorms near 80 for the high today. It's 70 at DVE. Mike Pursuit live from Steelers Training Camp when we come back here on the DVE Morning Show. DVE. Sports. All right, Mike Pursuit, live from Steelers Training Camp. We're going to be heading out later this afternoon, hanging for the next couple of days out in Lake Trobe with Mike and uh, broadcasting back to you tomorrow morning and Friday. But, Mike, the Buckos making all the waves yesterday. Sports is Hour brought to you by Mattress Firm. Who are those guys at PNC Park? And I'm not talking about <laughs> the Pirates team that has won 16 out of 20 games in the wake of last night's 5-4 to victory over the Cubs. I'm talking about the guys in the front office. Yeah, right. Has Bob Nutting seen the light? Or does somebody have a P-tape of him? <laughs> I'm Is still, he leveraged? I'm still so cynical <laughs> that I think he had to be talked into this and he went kicking and screaming and they, they were basically saying, you have to do this or nobody's coming to the games ever again. Well, however it uh, came to pass, the Pirates uh, got the guy. Chris Archer, uh, according to the Post-Gazette's Stephen Nesbitt, at about 3.57 p.m., uh, three minutes in advance of the non-waiver trade deadline yesterday. Wow. And what a get. Uh, changes everything. Really does. This is a guy, he's top five in strikeouts the last three years. Yeah, he's just, uh, for his career, he's got uh, 1,146 strikeouts in 1,063 innings. Just 54 and 68 with a 3.69 ERA, but this is playing for Tampa. This guy's a two-time All-Star. This guy is the guy that everybody wanted. If the Yankees would have gotten this guy, they'd be, a, they'd be having a parade in New York today. Uh, it cost the Pirates uh, Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass now, and uh, a player to be named. Huntington uh, calling that player yesterday, quote, a player of significance. So they ponied up, uh, gave up a lot of value. Uh, they took on between adding... Archer and uh, Keone Kella, the uh, 
reliever that they picked up uh, as Monday night was turning to Tuesday morning. They've added about uh, $2.9 million in salary, but uh, man, has the game changed for the Pirates. And all of a sudden you look at the Pirates and you see a team with a, a core lineup in place and now a, a, a lot of uh, stability in the starting rotation and a lot of depth in the bullpen. A lot of fans yesterday, Mike, were trying to rail against this like we got fleeced, but I, I think those players, I loved Meadows as well, but, I mean, he's the fourth best outfielder and was going to be. if they. To me, this move is great if it signifies keeping Dickerson around for a couple more years. Yeah, and he's already uh, he's under club control at least through next season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And Meadows yeah. only kind of flashed. It looked great. But there isn't a trend to be able to, to to look back on and say, well, we definitely have a great idea of what this guy's going to do right. going forward. You know, pitchers see these guys go, coming around a couple of times, and sometimes they cool off. Yeah, it's a lot of guys flash at the start of their careers. Polanco really. did. They're gonna be, yeah, Polanco did it. Nick Kingham did it. Uh, I presume that Archer's going to take Kingham's place in the rotation. Kingham's still listed as the starter for tonight's uh, game two against the Cubs, but... If you don't like this trade, you're just looking for a reason not to like the Pirates, and you're going to criticize whatever they do just because. This is a phenomenal move. I, I just can't I, believe I, they did it. I thought Keller was a real significant move, I, and I'm with you, Bill. I didn't, I didn't think they'd pull something like this off. I, um, I, I credit, I credit the fans and the players. They put the ownership in a position where mm-hmm. spending money was the smart and right move. The players, for sure. Uh, and I credit the fans for yeah not staying not away from the ballpark. In. They go look. We I mean we got we're close here. Mm-hmm. But I I you know I'm going to ask Stephen Nesbitt this when he's on the show a little bit later on this morning. By the way, Joe Musgrove will be on the program at nine fifteen a.m. I want to know when do you think it was that Neil Huntington all of a sudden started to go all right maybe I better start shopping and and getting prepared for this instead of well optimism has turned to realism. Let's see how Hulk bobblehead night turns out first before we go spending any money. <laughs> you know, if you're looking for a moment like that, the the Sunday win over Milwaukee after going into the All Star break, they after they swept the doubleheader on Saturday, which is pretty rare, mm-hmm. and then they had that comeback. I think they were down five two in the eighth, and they ended up getting it to extra innings. And they won six five on that shot by Bell into the outfield in the rain. And uh, Ray Searage was saying it was like the natural, uh, you know. Yeah. The, the only difference was that he didn't actually knock the cover off the ball. But uh, <laughs> winning that game, taking five from the Brewers, and then maybe you know piling on by doing well in Cleveland uh, after the break. That uh, that's as good a time as any. Um, these are kind of pirate moves, though. If you think about Archer being, uh, he's not going to be a, an unrestricted free agent until. 2022, and Keller's not going to be an unrestricted free agent until 2021. So they got help now, but they're not rentals. And uh, Archer, uh, in particular, is uh, is locked in his his numbers. You you know uh, what you're getting financially from this guy. Um, Keller's going to go to arbitration uh, after this season for the second time. So there's a little uncertainty there, but uh, they're they're good moves for now. They're good moves for later. Um, I think Tyler Glass now could still be good. That's my only fear in this trade is that he's going to go Charlie Morton on us. And as soon as he leaves, he's going to become like a, a, the ace that he was supposed to be. He might, but you, then you, that's one of those 
things about baseball where you have to sort of rationalize which is better for your team. A guy who you weren't going to be able to uh, provide anything for. Yeah, he, you weren't going to be able to bring the best out of him or you wouldn't be able to do it for a long time in exchange for somebody who can help you win right now. And the, this team needs to win. They, I've not seen a, a fan... A boycott is kind of the wrong word because they still watched on television. People paid attention to the team. And that should have been an indication to nutting as much as anything that people still wanted to come to the games. They right. just consciously weren't spending the money to do it. And you know what was annoying to me is I'm watching the game last night and I was tweeting about it. And these bunyak bandwagon bucko bouncers <laughs> just come in and start raining on the parade as soon as they go, oh, what are you, a bandwagon fan now? It's like, well, first of all, no, I'm a fair weather fan. Get that's it, right. Get yeah, it right. that's right. Two different things. I can't be a bandwagon fan of my own team. This is my team. <laughs> I just leave them when I don't like what they do, and then when they do well, I come back. I'm with you, Bill. Oh, uh, you're supposed to sit here and suffer uh, when they suck and sit and watch a nine-inning game they have no chance of winning. You haven't watched all 137 <laughs> games, so what? Okay. You, you have to say, though, those those pirates fans that do that have been bathed in fire and they probably uh it's reasonable for them to expect a high level of commitment because they oh, put yeah. a, a high level in the, which these is, are raccoons that come out in the daylight yeah which is why the penguin fans that are like that are even more annoying because they don't deserve it because a lot right. of them have only been around for 10 years or 12 years and the penguins always win yeah oh god you had to sit through the miroslav shatan <laughs> years yeah exactly when we still won you know whatever 60 games a year yeah i was i was down there last night it was uh the, the atmosphere at the end of the game was incredible the the way it ended with uh addison russell hitting uh what looked to be a run scoring triple off of uh felipe vasquez and cutting the lead uh, down from five to three to five to four, and then the Pirates challenged that Russell overslid third base, and uh, the review came up the, in the Pirates' favor. So now instead of a guy on third, nobody out, and a one-run deficit, it was nobody on and one out, and Vasquez able to get it finished off from there. That a lot of Cubs huge. fans again, as there always are at PNC Park, but everybody was standing and clapping for the last couple batters. It was electric. It felt like pennant race baseball. Well, if they can uh, keep it going here, Mike, fans will come back to the stadium and uh, they'll have that atmosphere going forward. And we already seen how much that can help a team. So this is super exciting in a season when nobody thought this was going to happen. Someone tried to uh, drag you last night on Twitter to me as I was tweeting about the Pirates. They said, what happened about, you know, Mike said back on May 31st, we'd stop talking about the Pirates by August 1st. And I said, uh, the GM <laughs> the of the team that. said three weeks ago. Well, no, that's what I'm talking about. These killjoys well, yeah. bring that up at the first moment that the, their team might be doing something interesting. So I pointed out the GM of the team just three weeks ago said he'd given up on the team. And he said, yeah, but what about what Mike said? And I said, well, you know, I guess you were three weeks off, Mike. You know, you, you were three weeks away from being completely right, which was uh, just about as good as the guy who picked the team. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's, this is why I hate A, people and B, Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, Mike. <laughs> you know, I think I've been pretty consistent. When they started fast, I was, uh, you know, beating the, hey, maybe these guys don't stink after all, drum. And then when they were terrible for five weeks or six weeks, however long that was, I said they were terrible because that's what I do. I react to what they do. Yeah. 
if you are more upset about the people who predicted the Pirates' demise than you are happy about their turnaround right now, you might be doing it wrong. And also, I kind of totally understand it. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that overreaction. Oh, yeah. They're they're paying too close attention. Schadenfreude. Yeah, we know we we're on the air what the four hours a day, five days a week. We say a lot of stuff. Oh, I'm always wrong. All right, uh, Mike, we're going to take a quick break and come back. Uh, <laughs> but looking forward to hanging out with you later today at uh, Steelers training camp in Latrobe. We get to be like Mike. Yeah, we do get to be like Mike. We didn't get to too, uh, talk too much about the Steelers there, but with good reason. A huge day for the Pirates. All about the Steelers. They didn't do anything yesterday. No. <laughs> Who'd they pick up yesterday? <laughs> All right, quick break. We'll be right back here on the DVE morning. It's Randy Bauman and the DV Morning Show. Val Porter, Bill Crawford, Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle hanging out with us as well. Uh, Bill and I are both uh, just getting back from uh, family vacations. Yeah, how were they? Relaxed, I mean, refreshed? I mean, mine was okay. It was a little bit of a disaster, but <clears throat> not much. It's always good to see the family. First uh, family beer pong game, which was interesting. Cause oh, nice. So, uh, the four of the nieces are in, like, seniors in high school and college and so their parents are like okay you can play under supervision but it's one beer you know you can only pour out one beer per side so the the most you're drinking is one beer between two people throughout the course of the game uh but it really devolved it was uh it was pretty fun but it was uh, it it was hilarious because my sister-in-law uh couldn't be there my brother brought their son and so i was taking pictures of uh, my six-year-old nephew playing beer pong <laughs> and sending him to her. Hey, everything's fine here. Don't worry about it. You know, we're taking care of him. He's doing <laughs> He's breaking great. breaking him in. He's Boy, doing great. Little Billy can really chug. Yeah. But, you know, it's a uh, family. Wish you were here. Family vacations. Always, oh, yeah. always interesting. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Jim Harbaugh apparently believes that diet is a hugely important part of your athletic production. I agree. All right, so, uh, right. So much so, though, he, he this is how far he whittles down into what you should and should not eat as an athlete. Mm, is this a nightshade thing? No. Former Michigan and current UCLA quarterback Wilton Spite tells a story. <laughs> when he was at Michigan, Harbaugh pulled him aside and said, hey, hey, don't eat chicken. Now, most people think chicken is a pretty safe protein. And yeah. As a matter of fact, a lot of people were putting on muscle. They use it because it's the lean meat. It's lean muscle. When Spite asked why, Harbaugh said, because it's a nervous bird. Oh, my God. <laughs> he thinks some types of sicknesses <laughs> are injecting their way into the human population because people are eating white meats instead of beef and pork, even though that's the other white meat, but we're adopting the nervous tendencies of the chicken by <laughs> eating the chicken. So he might not be sound in the pocket if he's eating chicken. He wants him There's to a be a cow skittish. in the pocket, not a chicken in the pocket. So what, just stand there like a big dumb thing and get this run over? over? This literally sounds like, like a Neanderthal medicine man came up with this theory. <laughs> yeah, like, no, eat nervous bird. <laughs> eat run around. <laughs> it does say, yeah, it's like Native American. Sun. 
disappear at night. <laughs> <laughs> Go to other soul worlds. <laughs> But that's like if you if you eat rattlesnake or something, you're all of a sudden going to be like, no, it'll make you too shifty. There are great animals. to. I would think being a chicken in the pocket would be a good thing, right? Yeah, you're elusive. Yeah, Isn't that what Rocky are, chased around? Uh, exactly. Hard to catch. Cows just stand there. Lambs, what do they do? Want to go quarterback tipping this weekend? <laughs> I know where a bunch of them just stand. But doesn't he, he's like, he's a guy who eats steak like six times a week and he chugs oh. milk. Like oh he, he he drinks milk like Gatorade. He's a big cow guy. Yeah. See, I know you're a big nutrition, you know, like believer in, the, in that that can tweak and, and perfect performance. But like, it didn't like Nolan Ryan like smoke cigarettes before he went out there and threw like 140 pitches a game or yes. something like that. I just find it. I I think there's probably a balance. I don't think you need to uh, edit your diet based off the personality of the food you're eating. The biggest piece of the pie ends up being genetics. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. <edit out. laughs> you know, some people can smoke and go out there and throw 100 mile per hour heaters, and some people smoke three cigarettes or don't even smoke and get lung cancer. I don't. I don't know. Well, the other thing is, like, who Jim Harbaugh, so, like, would you look at him as, like, a paragon of what to eat? <laughs> no. No, he's just kind of like that. He's the consummate, uh, to borrow the uh, Barstool phrase, football guy. I mean, so if you want to emulate somebody whose life is all about football and all they think about is how to become a better football player, Jim Harbaugh is that guy. You know, yeah. uh, Eating steak six nights a week. Good it, it's like all guy's got a cinder block in his colon. Oh my Just god! Imagine being Harbaugh's mom. I always said that she must like because she's got John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, and I don't know if you've ever seen interviews with her dad, who was the coach at Stanford. He's the same as those oh, two. Yeah. So she had those three in the house, and I always figured that she must have just run into the woods several times a week <laughs> and screamed at the top of her lungs. Because <laughs> imagine being around those meatheads oh, yeah. all the time. It was just fist fights over the power eye formation at dinner every single night. But, you know, people always trying to find the answer for what ails them or whatever. There must be some sort of genetic puzzle that uh, works best for them. From some a, kind of biohack. And so when I was with my siblings this past weekend, we only get together once a year. And there's six of us. So we all come at it and we all meet up and everybody's bringing their ammo. So everybody had their own little dietary. Uh, this is uh, oh, oh, this is what I'm God. doing now. Yeah. This is what I'm doing now. And then you're trying new things. It really did feel like it was like a flea market for middle-aged people trying to figure out <laughs> how to feel like you're 20 again. Dude, and there is no way to feel like that. Like I, I used to work with someone who uh, was a they were a clean eater. That's all they did. I don't even really know what that oh. means. It's like no processed foods. It was like kind of paleo diet type stuff. And so I just feel like I disagree with that on a fundamental level. I was like, there's not going to be less people. You're not going to get more access to clean food as the population keeps growing. So what I've elected to do as a parent is slowly poison my children so that they develop a tolerance to That's all of the right. additives and stuff so that when they have a French fry from McDonald's, their head doesn't explode. Smart. Yeah, that's smart. my theory. Build up their immunity. That's right. Well, that's the other thing is that all the Did kids. Did you just see Princess Bride recently? Are <laughs> no. you building up? Yeah, that's right. Tolerance to iodine powder. Dirt for a while. Well, it's like if you take like a freshwater fish that's in like a salt water tank or a salt water tank that has the pH controlled, and you dump it in the Allegheny, that thing's gonna die. But if it grows up in that environment, it'll probably do fine. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. That's the fish equivalent of we used to drink out of the hose. Yeah. 
Well, the we ain't allergic to nothing. <laughs> little bit of lead's good for you. The one that finishing the story about like my siblings, we all come at each other with, oh look at this, oh this protein powder, oh are you putting cumin in your coffee? <laughs> you know all of those things <laughs> that lasts like a day, and by day Ugh. three we're eating all the kids' candy. And, <laughs> and, 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 like everybody's just they're like, are we getting wings Where tonight are those or not? Starbursts? Those aren't all gone, <laughs> exactly. are they? Exactly. <laughs> Eventually, we devolve back to our original dietary uh, habits. But uh, Jim Harbaugh claims if you want. To, uh, to to act like a cow, you should eat cow. If you eat a chicken, well, that's a nervous bird, and you can end up nervous. But there is, there, I mean, I'm not saying that food doesn't affect, like, I went out and had fast food the other day, and it, there's like a bell curve that happens with that. Like, I was so hungry in the first six bites of the burger, I was like, this is the best freaking thing oh I've God. ever had in my life. And on bite six, it dropped off. I was like, what am I doing? Bite seven, I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Bite eight, and then I was ready to really, like, take a whip to my open back and like pour salt in my wounds because I was, felt so guilty about myself. The sodium is just pouring through your veins at that point. Well, if you've ever watched Super Size Me, like the, the, the amount of emotions that dude goes through, <laughs> like the excitement of ordering the food and then eating it with the, all the smells and mm-hmm. it's your you know, your olfactory is all pumping on. Oh, this is making me want to go right you now. Know, and then <laughs> and then just the absolute depression that sets in and you're sitting there just pinching your belly fat, <laughs> fat shaming yourself. Food hangovers. Oh. Worse than booze hangovers. It's instant. Uh, that's the, why they're worse than booze hangovers. The they worst immediately. is when you get back in the car from eating fast food and you buckle your seatbelt and all of your belly skin hangs over the belt of the seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, kill me now. Well, that wouldn't happen if you stick to Jim Harbaugh's all-beef diet. Nothing but beef and milk. Stay away from bread, nervous birds, <laughs> and any crustaceans with the googly eyes. <laughs> Val's got news coming up next. Uh, we're going to talk about how much your kids are going to cost you when they go back to school. Jeff, what do you got coming up? Uh, I'm excited. Uh, this isn't this month. Next month, the Apis Mediary that does the uh, the uh, audience participation show, they actually just moved from a smaller venue to a bigger venue Huge in Carnegie. new location. Uh, it's really nice, so uh, I'm going to do that show. That's not until September, so I'll tell you more about it. But, yeah, uh, I think I'm going to try to do that show. Dom, hit me up yeah, about that. Yeah, it'll be pretty cool. Good deal. All right, awesome. uh, pack show for you today with Stephen Nesbitt from the Post Gazette at seven forty-five, talking about the Pirate acquisitions. Huge day for the Buckos yesterday. Rocky Blyer and Gene Collier on the show at eight fifteen. The reissue uh, of Fighting Back, and also we'll talk about Rocky's Hall of Honor induction for the Steelers. Pirate pitcher Joe Musgrove at nine fifteen welcomes his new teammates. Double M Mark Madden answers his critics because Mark claimed the Pirates would never do this. Well, what say you now, there, Double M? <laughs> of men would prefer to have a boy over a girl, whereas women didn't really care one way or the other. Guys don't want to have to, like, like worry about uh, different plumbing. Like, they know what they're dealing with. Boy, is that true. (laughs) That is so true. I am uncomfortable around my boy's plumbing, and I have that plumbing, (laughs) let alone a whole new set of drawings. I'm not trying to deal with that. It's not not great. Yeah, Not not great to be uh, on diaper duty. You're like, okay, what what is this? (laughs) No. Can we take her through the car wash? (laughs) (laughs) Just hold her out the sunroof. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Let me ask you something. As a a father uh, of girls, Mm -hmm. uh, and you probably thought, well, you, you knew everything there is to, to know about, you know, everything. There had to be moments where, upon learning about the physiology, the biology yes. of your child, that you were like, mm-hmm. I didn't know girls did that. 
Um, no, just I think like uh, I didn't. There's a lot of creases, a lot of different. Um, you know, just, <laughs> you mean yes in in folding diapers and whatnot. Yes, uh-huh, yeah, you have to. Sure. Yeah. Fold over and over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that creates a lot of creases. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's just different. Totally different. Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle with us uh, on Pretty that. much everything they do. I was like, oh, I didn't know they did that. Oh, they do that? A <laughs> couple of times I walked into the bathroom and Kennedy was standing to pee. Because <laughs> she saw me doing it. I was like, no, get don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. That's that's for dads. Oh. That's just how dads do it. Oh. And Catherine Hahn in uh, Step Brothers. So then I just started sitting down to pee. <laughs> there you go. They learn by, you know, I learned it from watching learned you. by modeling. That's right. Valerie, how are you? I'm all right. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Sure. It's 72 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Infinity from Comcast. The website planning to post blueprints for 3D guns is blocking downloads after a federal judge issued an order temporarily halting their distribution. U.S. District Judge Robert Lasnick ruled yesterday that publication of the plans could cause irreparable harm. The decision blocks a settlement the Trump administration reached with a Texas company which planned to make the blueprints available for download. Eight states in the District of Columbia filed suit against the federal government to block public access to the plans on Monday. Pennsylvania is included in that suit. I don't understand uh, how 3D stuff works. I don't... I have no idea You know, either. 3D printers, you can just make all of these different things. I have no idea how any of that technology... Like, it's, it's not a regular... It's very it, it feels... Too advanced. Like, what do you fill your printer up with? You're not out of right. ink. You're out of plastic. What do you shove other guns in there to I make a new know. gun? Yeah, does it come with its own foundry? I don't. I don't <laughs> understand either. I th- I always like picture them having like one of those like Willy Wonka compactors next to it that you have to like. <laughs> <laughs> There's an accordion attached. <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> because how does that stuff come out of? I have no idea. There was a 60-minute special years back, and they were showing how these things are made, and it was showing it in real time, printing something, and I was like, I don't understand what I'm looking at in real time. What is this thing? Yeah. It's it's making it like a thousand little specks at a time. And eventually it'll be, I'm sure it'll be so commonplace to have 3D printed things. I mean, guns mm-hmm. probably, eh, that's probably not the best idea. Uh, mostly, I won't think they would let it go because nobody can make money on that. They're going to be like, hmm, why would, you know, if you made guns, wouldn't you, you not? You made your own. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't want them to be able to do that. Um, but there's going to be like kids in high school making knockoff items like going forward. It'll be like the Gordon Gartrell version <laughs> of, you know, skateboards, hoverboards, what have you. Going forward. Dude, those aren't Jordans. Those are clipping and clopping every time you step. <laughs> are those plastic? Well, that's what I don't understand is what it, what are the material parameters? I am, I, yeah. Like what kind of stuff I can come out of one it. of these things? Well, here's, a, here's a, like we're talking about guns and things that are weird and scary. Like it, it also is being used for good. Like I remember talking to one of the child life people and one of the programs that they have is that a kid can design like a toy or a Barbie doll or something on an iPad, and then they have a 3D printer there that will print out that 
toy. I still don't understand that part either. Me, yeah. It's what is the it made process. out of? It's the process. It's not. We just put whatever is left over from lunch in there, so Barbie's going to have a weird texture. Yeah, I don't know if it's like Barbie the gas like hot tank dogs. for the DeLorean where you can just throw banana peels and right. beer cans in there. Marty, hurry up. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, a student at West Mifflin High School is is accused of threatening to shoot up his school on the first day of classes. Parents were notified Tuesday of that threat made in the middle of the summer in a Facebook post. West Mifflin police are investigating the threat. A Michigan man is lucky to be alive after he was bitten by his own pet snake. The 26-year-old ended up airlifted to a Detroit hospital last month after he was struck by his albino monocled cobra. How does it keep the monocle on? I know. They they don't have any hands. His respiratory system was paralyzed. He was unable to breathe. Doctors had generic anti-venom shipped in from the Toledo Zoo, but it didn't help. The man's condition continued to deteriorate. This anti-venom that they had wasn't effective against this particular type of cobra, which is a native of Southeast Asia and extremely deadly. Why are you allowed to have that? Yeah, why why can you have that as a pet? Uh, I'm against that. Thanks to the man's family, doctors were able to figure out exactly what type of snake it was. They found the right anti-venom was in stock in Miami and had to have it flown to Detroit. That guy should have to pay for that flight. <laughs> like I'm, I am in favor of I how mean, mad you are at this guy who almost died. Idiot. No, it's just it's very dumb. I'm with you, Val. Uh, totally. It's or the, the doctors dumbest. should just say, well, you're stupid. Well, hopefully he turned off the heater on his water bed while he was gone all that time. <laughs> the victim is still in the he hospital. He should have just tried to punch the snake with his brass knuckles. Uh, he is expected to recover. <laughs> you know, when he came at him, he should have just grabbed the machete off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, a cobra? Just, w- why? Why? I don't understand that. Again, there, that a- guy also has a butterfly knife somewhere on his <laughs> cargo jeans. Nunchucks? Yeah, he's got those. Of course he does. Just too much stupidity. I guess it's time to start the back-to-school shopping. It is that it's time our, It's here. past that, yeah. August 1st. A new survey found parents will spend as much as $65 more on back-to-school stuff this year compared to 2017. The biggest back-to-school expenses you have to worry about, clothing. That'll be $189 this year. Oh, that that was stressful stressful, uh, time for parents and kids there. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out having kids was a very unsound financial decision. (laughs) Electronics, $186, which I guess the older older they get, the more it costs probably. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not there. New shoes, $95. What? That's probably one pair. Oh, did you guys? That's crazy. That's too much. Did you ever have any fashion debacles when you were a kid i was a of walking course. fashion debacle <laughs> but i was like does my whole childhood count yes <laughs> my mom one year bought my school shoes and she bought those oh god they look like girls shoes but like i can't if remember the name jellies. of jellies no they're like they're like black and white vans bucks maybe are they bucks oh, i don't know I don't know. She wore these shoes that look like girl shoes to me. I'm like, Mom, those are girl shoes. She's like, they're not. They're actually very cool and stylish and whatever. <laughs> and you you should wear these. And she I got bought me tap shoes to go back to school. Ripped apart for wearing these things. They're very old school. They're like they were white, and then in the middle where the laces are, they're black. Oh, and like a saddle shoe. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> your mom bought you saddle shoes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh. Did you go to, were you like, going to horseback riding school at the time? 
girls in the 50s wore those. Right. And, uh, also, you could wear this with your they, long were gingham they, skirts. Were they your mom's shoes? Uh, they might have been. I don't know. She just handed down. I mean, I definitely had a pair of saddle shoes <laughs> that I wore one year. I think preppy boys may have worn them at I was, one time. I, I think I was in sixth grade or seventh grade, and I had to wear a uniform every day, which was the you know baby blue uh, yeah, polo shirt. Maybe I could see that she would think. Navy blue pants. And she was like, no, no, these are good. I'm, I'm like, why are you taking a fashion chance with me? I'm vulnerable <laughs> right now. Right in sixth grade. See, I always had to get the most expensive shoes because I went to, you know, public school and you just got crushed if you had anything that was even a little scuffed. People who just walked up to you like, you know, dudes would be like, oh, look, this dude was playing soccer with a pack of wild wolves. What, what happened, man? Did you Were you breakdancing inside of a chimney? And I'm like, no, dude, I, I got one scuff on my shoe. All right, fine. I'll buy a $180 pair of Barclays. Oh, what television show was that where the kid had the... Uh... The knockoff. There was something on Netflix where a kid had the knockoff and he was trying to hide it all day. Oh, wait. Maybe I'm thinking of... Nah, never mind. I was going to say it's Black Panther, but it's not Black Panther. No, I don't think Black <laughs> that was Panther about superheroes. Had, had shoes. At any rate... And if he did, he didn't have to hide them. He had saddle shoes, I think. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, that might have been... Everyone would hear him approaching because they have hard soles. <laughs> No, see, the saddle shoes would be the guy who was the villain in Black Panther. He wore those. Yeah. And then his anger over being made fun of about his shoes <laughs> turned into, into an evildoer. I had a purple jumpsuit in, like, 11th grade, which I loved. Jumpsuit? Like yeah. Van Morrison like wore in The Last suit. Waltz? God, wow, we have to... If there's pictures of any of this and you're not sharing them, you're really depriving the world of a lot of happiness. <laughs> Did you watch Freaks and Geeks? No. So there's an episode of Freaks and Geeks where Sam, the lead character, he he goes to Silverman's, which was a you know a clothing store store uh, in malls in the '80s, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, dude, this is the cool thing everyone's wearing," and it's like this disco suit, like uh-huh. jumpsuit, and he wears it to school. No. And and then he's trapped. Yeah. Because he thinks it's going to be cool, and the second he walks into the school, he realizes Tortured. it's a horrible idea, and it actually happened to Paul Feig, the creator and the writer of Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. And he, he was talking about that day, and I just kept thinking, there's no way I would have stayed. I would have ran out of yeah. there. First period, I'm gone. Right. Like, all right, whatever. Hooky, detention, you got it. Grounded, I'm, doesn't matter. Yeah, not sticking around for the abuse. This can't happen to me. I did that with uh, a Mighty Ducks pullover, <laughs> a starter jacket that I thought was going to be the coolest thing in the world, showed up, four girls had it on, and I was just like, <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Turns out this is cranberry and teal. I did. I thought it was like a darker maroon, <laughs> <laughs> which would be acceptable. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it doesn't stop. I've told you guys many times about my buddy who showed up wearing the knockoff Steelers jersey for a tailgate, and he came to my house before we went down to the tailgate. He's like, "I go, uh, nice jersey, dude." And I was being sarcastic. He goes, "Right? I got it on sale in the strip district at that place." And I'm like, "Oh." All right, good move. And I'm thinking, he's going to get destroyed the second we he walk up. He doesn't know. And he got within, you know, 20 feet of the tailgate, and he's, like, carrying a couple cases of beer, and he's like, yo! And everyone's like, yo! And he puts the beer down, and everyone sees the jersey, and they're like, oh, <laughs> what is that? You know? Why does it have a butterfly collar on it? Should have gone with a T-shirt underneath that uh, net when jersey. I, when I was a kid, my mother would never buy me, like, brand name jeans, <laughs> like... 
Levi's or Lee's or Jordan. Jordash was a huge brand. Oh yeah, in the eighties. Oh, Never yeah. got of course. Those. Oh no way. I only got I got the Jay Z Penny brand, which was Gitano. Oh yeah. And <laughs> my dad said to me once, he's like, Gitano. You know what that means? Giant size. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really what it means, or was he making that up? I don't know what it means. He's just busting your chops. Yeah, it's just, you know. Yeah. Oh. Poor Val. Gitano. Gitano. Giant ass. <laughs> uh, backpacks will set you back 45 bucks. Art supplies, 24 which seems low. I love the Trapper Keeper. Boy, when you get the... Oh, I'd be psyched the for greatest. the new Trapper Keeper. But here's the thing that I don't understand, because I have to buy my daughters a, a new backpack every school year, but why? Right. Well, I, 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 mean, I don't they're understand not destroying why they it, have they? that in their no fashion, but that's like sort of like a an accessory now that's it's in like a need new purse. A constant upgrade, yeah. Pens and pencils, fifteen bucks. Folders and notebooks, fifteen. Uh, so all told, all totaled, that's about five hundred sixty-nine bucks to get everything on the list. Oh my god, per kid. I cannot imagine my parents spending anywhere near that on me back in the oh, day. Did I know you that have makes me like old, another? Did you have like a grandma or a grandparent that took you? Because my no. grandma always took me back to school shopping. No, the best back to school I ever had was when my dad got remarried. Uh, his wife was trying to like get into my good graces and took me back to school shopping, and I fleeced her. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I'll never forget that shopping trip. Dude, I remember the shirts I got on that shopping trip. I was picking out stuff <laughs> yeah, I never yeah. would have been able to get before. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's play on this guilt. Yeah, that one right there. That <laughs> $45 shirt. That's right. I was so psyched. They were the kind I'd wear to school and out on the weekend. I'm like, I'm getting double duty out of these. Oh, yeah. My, my grandma used to take me to Kaufman's downtown, and it was just like, we're hitting Hilfiger. Claiborne. We're hitting Nautica. We're hitting Polo. All like... You know, oh, all dude, those yeah. that brands was a, That were... was a foreign world to me, Bill. <sighs> oh, yeah. my I had a my best friend Dropping when I was coin. in elementary school. Her mom would take her big-time school shot. She, like, she would get 10 new pairs of jeans. I'd be like, uh, Mom, I want new jeans. She's like, you're getting one pair of Gitanos <laughs> with a stripe have, down the this side. This is why Tim has to get his haircut in the garage. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Val's mom would only buy her one pair of Gitanos. It was burned into her very early. We do not waste money. In this household, <laughs> and that probably you probably were a little scarred by that, right? I, well, well, I was a big dork, so you know. I was just used to hand me downs, so it didn't matter. I was always kind of like, I, I kind of wanted them, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Well, it depends. Like, if your brother has style, like my brother always had the best clothes ever, and I'd always steal his shirts, and then he'd kill me because he'd be like, "Dude, you're gonna like wear my shirt and then get barbecue sauce down the front of it because you're such an idiot and every time I'm like I don't know what you're talking about barbecue sauce yeah. it's like I'm not even eating anything barbecue where did this sauce come from it just comes out of the ceiling like you can't do that on television I don't know what you're talking about ah, I heard slimed. that yeah and D. Snyder is revealing he sold a major part of his music publishing rights in an effort to pay lower taxes he says the sale happened in 2015 and included rights to about 70 songs including uh, some big Twisted Sister hits. He didn't say how much he earned, but said the use of his catalog, particularly, we're not going to take it. 
in movies and commercials over the years has increased in value. Finally, the National Comedy Center is holding its grand opening today in Jamestown, New York. The center was created to preserve an appreciation for comedy as an important part of our culture. It is fitting then that the opening is the same time as the Lucille Ball Comedy Festival in Jamestown, which is her hometown. The festival features four days of events, including panels with Dan Aykroyd, Lily Tomlin, Amy Schumer, Fran Drescher, and Lucy Arnaz, which is uh, Lucille Ball's daughter. More than 40 comedians will be on hand from stand-up performers to actors. Showers and thunderstorms again today. Temperatures near 80 for the high. It's 70 at DBE. Yeah, it is the DBE morning show and the Buckos. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Greg Brown is probably, he probably had to be strapped down like a clockwork orange yesterday. We feel you, Greg. Bucko fever running rampant after the two huge acquisitions at the trade deadline yesterday. Mike Masuda joins us from Steelers training camp, where we're going to talk a lot of buckos when we come back. Later after the show, we're all headed out to Latrobe, and we're going to be broadcasting our show live there tomorrow. We'll take part with uh, Mike Persuda in the Live from Latrobe show tonight, and then Friday morning, you'll hear a recap of all the interviews we get out at Steelers training camp. So you'll have a lot of Steelers coming up here in the next couple of days, but today, got to talk a lot of buckos, and we'll have Joe Musgrove on the show, 9.15. Also, Pirates beat writer from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Stephen Nesbitt, coming up at 7.45. Mike Persuda is next on DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Persuda with your sports right now, live from Steelers training camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe. And Mike, the Pirates pulled it off moves that I don't think even their GM thought that he would be engaging in less than a month ago. And uh, it's it's a brave new world because of it. Uh, the Bucks beat the Cubs again last night, five to four at PNC Park Sports. This hour brought to you by Citizens Bank. But uh, the continuing story, even uh, more significant than the record of sixteen and four, the Pirates have reeled off in their last twenty games, uh, is what the Pirates did at the trade deadline. And and don't underestimate Chris Archer is the bigger name. But don't underestimate the contributions that Keone Kell is going to make or potentially could make for this team because the way baseball is being played now, you have to have starting pitching as you always have had to have starting pitching. But you got to have a bullpen now too. And getting another hard-throwing strikeout guy in the bullpen to uh, join a cast of hard throwers and uh, a closer in uh, Felipe Vasquez who can strike people out with regularity. Uh, it's game-changing for the Pirates. And uh, do they have enough time? Can they uh, continue to win games? Uh, are, are these moves going to pay dividends this year as well as down the road? Bucks are 56-52 and 52 after beating the Cubs last night. Six games behind Chicago and Milwaukee, which are in a virtual tie for first in the NL Central Division. And the Pirates uh, are three games out of the second wild-card spot. Uh, three teams currently share that. Uh, Atlanta, Colorado, and the Dodgers uh, each has a different winning percentage, but uh, the games behind totals all the same. So uh, it has uh, gotten exciting all of a sudden uh, in terms of what might be possible, uh, not just this season, but down the road. And uh, that is the significant uh, part of this trade as well, at least from my perspective. It's not as if the Pirates said, you know, the hell with it. We're going all mm-hmm. in for this year. I mean, these guys are going to be around uh, – 
Well, that was the key component to the trade, according to Neil Huntington, was not and Coonley, is that these guys were not just rent-a-player situations here where they're going to come in and try and help them make a run this year, and then they had no control over it. They weren't going to give up Austin Meadows and uh, Tyler Glass now unless they were able to get somebody who that they could rely on for a few years to come. And with both of these guys, you know, the, the question always is after a trade like this, Mike, did you give up too much? You know, there's always the who won aspect of a trade, but... I really think if you're strengthening a weakness without weakening the other part of your team too much, you win. And sometimes trades are win-wins. Yeah, I mean, if Tyler Glasnow goes on and has a great career, you know, more power to him. He can't throw strikes consistently, and he hasn't. And he hasn't been a – we've heard about him for years, and he has not been a part of anything significant here. Austin Meadows came up and flashed this year. Uh, and then when uh, their three starting outfielders were healthy, they had a hard time finding playing time for him, so they sent him back down. And is he going to be better than Starling Marte or Gregory Polanco or even Corey Dickerson? We'll we'll see. Now uh, uh, Tyler Glass now is going to uh, Tampa, and their pitching coach is is it Kyle Snyder, six eight guy. So I was reading something where someone said, "Well, here's a guy who knows how to teach mechanics th- for somebody that tall for the big guys." Yeah, mm-hmm. so maybe that'll be beneficial to him. Maybe. I mean, he's got, he's got the stuff, right? He mm-hmm. just can't command it. And if you can't command it, what good is it? Um, one of the things that uh, I, I find laughable is uh, the theory being bandied about that, uh, well, if you're going to trade for Archer, you should have kept Garrett Cole. Uh, that makes no sense to me. Uh, Cole is uh, eligible for his third year of arbitration next year, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2020. Archer... Uh, has salaries on the books for 2019, 2020, and 2021. He's not going to be an unrestricted free agent until 2022. And, oh, by the way, uh, you got Joe Musgrove in the Garrett Cole trade. You got Colin Moran in the Garrett Mm -hmm. Cole trade. And you got Michael Feliz in the Garrett Cole trade. Uh, Feliz has yet to uh, make a significant mark in Pittsburgh, but he's got a good arm. Uh, Moran is uh, your starting third baseman unless a real good lefty's pitching. And Musgrove is a guy that they expected to be a horse in the rotation, got off to a late start, but uh, he is looking uh, every bit like the guy they thought they were getting. So you got good return, if not great return, for Garrett Cole. And uh, you've got a guy in Archer who, while not as uh, dominating as Cole, is locked in financially for a whole lot longer. It's these are kind of pirates' moves. I, I know people want to say they're going for it, but th- it's the future. I think that uh, had everything to do with uh, their decision to pull the trigger on these moves, not just trying to maximize this year. Well, you know, I think that the fans rightly see this as, uh, you know, a, a move towards wanting to win, towards being willing to spend, even though they control these guys' contracts they for as long as they do. Pieces to a team that's on the cusp. And I think that the perception was that there was an apathy in the front office, particularly from ownership, that uh, we're, we're happy to take the uh, shared revenue money and whatever we can get at PNC Park. And I think that they felt abandoned a little bit, some of the fan base. And, no question. And now, I mean, everybody is going to be talking bucks nonstop. It's super fun. Whether or not they'll be able to make a run. How many games are they out? Two games of the wild card? Three. Three. After last night's win still? Yeah, it's uh, everybody else is making moves too. <laughs> you know, it's not a vacuum. I mean, it's it, down down the stretch they come, and it is a crowded track. And what about uh, the idea that defensively the Rays were much better? And some people are saying, well, you know, Archer goes from a team that was 11th in putouts on ground balls to the team who's like last in the league. 
Yeah. So what? I mean, I think so. It, we shouldn't get him. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah, he doesn't, going have, to, he doesn't after. have to face a DH in the National League either. So right. Well, and then uh, then there's the question of ballparks. You know, which ballparks are more friendly, NL East or AL East, NL Central or AL East? Yeah, I think you know Chris Archer strikes people out and always has, and he eats innings always has. Uh, I I don't see a downside to this guy. I'm not going to try to invent one. Uh, you know, Nick Kingham, uh, kind of like uh, Meadows did in the outfield. Nick Kingham flashed on the mound early, and then he's had his struggles. He's been up and down. I I, I assume that uh, Archer is going to take his spot in the rotation, and then you're going to go forward with Archer, uh, Musgrove, Tyone, uh, uh, Nova, and uh, the guy who's shutting everybody out, who's uh, Nate, Trevor Williams. Right. I assume that's your starting rotation. That's a pretty good starting rotation. Yeah, it is. Uh, and then you look at the bullpen. Uh, you have uh, Vasquez as your closer. Uh, Archer now can be a setup man. Kyle Crick uh, got through the eighth inning again uh, last night. Uh, he's he's developing nicely, quickly. This guy they got in the Andrew McCutcheon trade. Um, they're they're collecting arms back there, and that's what you have to have. And Glass now was not a guy you could bring into. Uh, a high leverage situation right now and have any certainty as to what he was going to do. He's had some success, and he's had some games where he just couldn't throw strikes. Meadows, there was there was no room for him in the outfield this year. There wasn't going to be any next year, so so why not? Uh, you got a shot this year, but I, I think what we're seeing, and, and maybe the, these trades uh, confirm what management is seeing, is the core of a team is starting to emerge all of a sudden. Uh, you've got your catcher of the uh, immediate future in Diaz in place. Uh, Moran's in place at third base. Uh, Bell is in place at first base. The outfield is in place. We just talked about the rotation in the bullpen. This is still a relatively young team, but uh, you're starting to see some guys who uh, aren't just major leaguers but might be significant major leaguers. What about giving up Tyler uh, Taylor Hearn? Well, got to give to get, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would look at it uh, this way. Uh, he came from Washington along with Vasquez for Melanson. So they turned uh, Mark Melanson, a move that everybody ripped when they made it, they turned him into Vasquez and Kella. Do you know who the uh, the third player is in that in that um, Archer trade? The, I do not. I've seen uh, Neil Huntington quoted as saying it is a significant player. A lot of people are speculating it could be Gung. <laughs> that it's not a significant player. <laughs> Freeze. Or a, he said a player of some kind of consequence, like people know his name, right? Uh, it can't I be Freeze because he's on the. Uh, I thought it, I thought it couldn't be a person on the twenty-five man roster. Am I wrong? On I, that? Yeah, it's. I, I'm. Uh, my understanding is it's a prospect, but um, you know, I, I I like Chris Archer. A lot of people like Chris Archer. Uh, Again, if, if you're trying to criticize this move, I think you're doing that just because you want to criticize the Pirates no matter what they do. Well, I'm not. I'm excited for him. I'm glad. And I'm super glad that the players forced management's hand here. Well, and, you yeah. know, uh, Bob Nutting had to pay because the players forced his hand. That's great. How do you, how do you not want to root what, for that what team? What a win. Mike Pursuit is live from Steelers training camp, by the way, and uh, we're going to be heading out there momentarily. Well, not momentarily, but in a few hours anyways. And uh, any news about Des Bryant uh, getting signed by the Steelers? Is that going to happen anytime (laughs) soon, Mike? Yeah, that's going to happen. Cool. Uh, I I just 
Stay by the radio waiting for that news. All right, good. I was hoping that would be the case. We're going to be broadcasting live tomorrow morning from Steelers training camp in Lake Trobe, and we'll be with our Be Like Mike contest winner, Dan Bartosh, who's going to be out at camp today roaming the sidelines with us at Steelers practice. And then tonight we'll be at the Live from Lake Trobe radio program at Sharky's. That's, Are there any strip clubs the out there? Oh, wait, no. That we, we shouldn't hit the strip club. That's the Be Like Bell that's the Be Like Bell promotion. Yeah, right. sorry. Different you promotion. Go? Sorry, I got confused. I mean, look. You guys coming on the show tonight? What time is the show tonight? We, Seven to nine. Seven to nine. Yeah, you yeah, know. We'll be there. No, I got a thing, Mike. I'm sorry. I got <laughs> I mean, if you saw that video of Le'Veon Bell with the stripper yesterday, did you see that, Mike? I did not. Yeah, so there's a video that emerged. I guess his girlfriend yeah, posted from it. from her Instagram. To Insta of them at a strip joint. And, um... Whew. If that's the quality of stripper that Le'Veon Bell is hanging out with, he 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 does need a raise. We need to <laughs> we need to get that guy in a better class of strip club. This is making some sort of uh, fuss that a twenty-something-year-old guy was at a strip club. It's think, just the optics of it, Mike. The timing, the timing. It's, is the yeah, thing. when he's your teammates are busting their ass at camp and you're smacking ass in a strip club yeah and they blacked out her face so i mean i mean honestly it looked like he might have been slapping ramon foster's ass it was a, <laughs> it was not a very did she have a bad knee yeah <laughs> i think she did yeah <laughs> definitely had a bum knee she see it looked like she might have been twerking but that might have just been her gait i can't drop down and get my eagle on i have this brace and it prohibits me when we come back, Stephen Nesbitt from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette talking buckos, and then Rocky Blyer and Gene Collier joining us. Joe Musgrove's on the show at 915 and Double M. Mark Madden closing things out for you here on the DVE. It is the DVE morning show. Randy Bauman and along with uh, Val Porter, Mike Pursuta, and Bill Crawford welcoming Stephen Nesbitt from the Post-Gazette to talk buckos. Stephen, good morning. How are you, man? I'm doing well. It was quite a quite a day yesterday. I mean, that was pretty exciting, right? I mean, uh, how how long have you been covering the Pirates for the Post Gazette? Um, I've covered covered them exclusively over the last the past three seasons. This year, I'm doing more uh, more feature work, a little more all sports. But I've been hopping back on the beat in the last month, and I uh, caught them right in time for a big winning streak <laughs> and a big trade deadline. So that yeah, that had to be the most exciting day for you covering the Buccos, no doubt about it. Probably. I mean, you know, the the what they always talk about, Bucktober, that wild card game, I got to cover one of those. So uh, that was one wild day, and then it was over. So uh, mm-hmm. the trade deadline, they, they're always a little fun. The, the winter meetings are always exciting, but, but uh, this is a move I don't think many of us saw the Pirates making. Uh, and so it was uh, definitely, definitely exciting and uh, get ramped up pretty quickly as, as the 4 p.m. deadline approached. So at what point do you think... Neil Huntington and ownership went from we need to go from pe- uh, optimism to realism to who we better start shopping around. Was there a, a series win or anything in that run that you think tipped the scales for them? Yeah, I, uh, if they played 500, 500 ball from, you know, he keeps talking about July 8th. That's the day he sort of issued that challenge of, uh, you know, a four and four week isn't going to do much. Uh, uh, realism has arrived. If they played 500 ball the rest of July, they probably don't make this move because it's one you could also make in the offseason. Um, but I think they did reach a point. I, I probably uh, would say it was was it was either taking a series from Cleveland or, or just coming out of the break really hot in, in Cincinnati and, and, and sort of picking that uh, five or six game uh, winning streak toward ten and eleven games. I think that's when they realized, you know what, we do need to do things to make next year and twenty nine, twenty twenty, twenty twenty one stronger. 
but we also need to do something to give this team, uh, you know, a fighting chance to, to win some games here. Mm-hmm. And then realize this was finally the year to, to, you know, take advantage of Chris Archer being on the market because he seemed to always be there, but nobody wanted to pay the price. And so the other benefit is I think they'd seen Meadows and Glass now in the majors and, and realized, uh, you know, that obviously for, for all young guys, there's, there's room to grow. But when you see, uh, you know, these top prospects hit the majors, struggle a little bit i think maybe it's a little easier to say okay remember these guys are fallible and uh you got to take advantage of of value here and there and if they become you know randy johnson and and some great center fielder over in tampa so be it we're gonna we're gonna go for it here and this year and the next few well, I was going to ask you about the price they pay with Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now going. Uh, you know, sometimes trades can be win-win. How do you see this one scoring out for the Buccos here? Is it remain to be seen, or no matter what, when you bring an all-star in and t- get rid of two guys who really weren't contributing, uh, contributing rather uh, very much, you're a winner right away? Yeah, I think it could be. I was on Tampa Radio yesterday. Asked right away who won this one, and I was like, I feel I feel fine for the time being. Saying uh, you know, both sides won. They both got what they needed. Uh, Tyler Glassnow for the Pirates was a long reliever and who they probably hoped to get back to the starting rotation eventually. And Austin Meadows was their fourth, maybe fifth outfielder and was sort of blocked on his way to the majors, as he always seemed to be with with Andrew McCutcheon and then Corey Dickerson. Uh, I think they're both going to end up being really impressive ballplayers. That's probably not going to happen until, you know, 2021, 22, 23. And the Pirates are saying, all right, we've, we've, built up our farm system to a point where we believe we can sell some of that off, take advantage of, of that to, re, to to grab some guys where, we, you know, maybe our fans never thought we would go get, get a Chris Archer, go pick up a closer from the Rangers. Um, and so they got exactly what they needed, someone who could help them win today, and gave up a couple guys who aren't going to hurt them in their mission to win today. And whether or not they, they – uh, could help them win two or three years down the road, so can Chris Archer. So this wasn't a deal the Pirates were going to make if it was a two-month rental, but they were able to make this deal uh, looking at this season but also looking at the next few. That's what Neil Huntington really hammered home when he was talking about it yesterday afternoon. Stephen, can you clear up uh, some confusion on my end? Uh, Kella is uh, eligible for unrestricted free agency when? Um, I believe it's after the 20 season. I, I do, too. I'm seeing it reported other ways, though. Uh, well, it's a while, anyway. Uh, <laughs> second yeah, question. I, I, my, my, my colleague, Bill Brink, is usually all over that stuff, and he told me last night that it was after 2020, and he, he tracks that pretty cl- closely. So I think it's after 2020 is, is when Kella hits free agency, and after 21, 21 is when for Archer, Archer. Does. Uh, we, you were on with us uh, recently, uh, a week or so ago, and you talked about maybe the need for starting pitching if they were going to be buyers at the deadline. Uh, should we assume that Archer takes Kingham's spot? I think that's probably where they'll begin. So they'll need someone to to take uh, the long relief spot. And I think Kingham works well. You could do uh, Holmes or something like that or simply not really carry that, you know, two long relievers with, with Brawls effect- effectively is that as well. Um, I, it probably is King. I think the other option would be uh, Nova, who's struggled here and there. But I think being a veteran, having experience at this point in the season, they'll probably stick with him. I mean, Kingham, again, is a guy who hasn't thrown all that many innings in previous seasons because of injuries. So they may want to protect him a little bit and keep him in the majors. So I think he would fit well in the bullpen. I think that's probably the most likely way to go. But they didn't. Uh, I asked them about it yesterday. They didn't really tip their hand. And with Kella, do you think there's any chance they go uh, righty-lefty closer? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, he's going to be put in some high leverage situations, but I don't think what I know what I know about Clint Hurdle is that he's a guy who likes roles, whether you like that or not. He likes a seventh, eighth, ninth inning guy, and I don't think he's going to be um, uh, he messing too much with the closer role. I think he wants to leave uh, Vasquez there. So we'll see. They they could do a little bit of uh, mixing and matching. Uh, but I, I would I would guess they're going to figure something out where Edgar Santana maybe isn't their dedicated uh, seventh inning guy, and they they move guys more into roles. I, I just don't see her really getting creative and clever with the closer spot. All right. Speaking of Hurdle, we're talking with Stephen Nesbitt of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette about the two huge acquisitions the Pirate Pirates got yesterday at the uh, deadline. With Clint Hurdle now getting all this depth, how does the pressure shift? Before it was seen, ah, well, he doesn't have the tools. And now, uh, you know, ownership's going to expect him to win with this team. Does he now feel an increased sense of pressure? Um, he would say no, but I think there probably is a, a slightly more increased pressure. I mean, again, if this team crumbles in August, it's it's not good, but it's okay. They still have the same team coming back next year minus a couple of veterans. And so it's still, like we say, with the, the, the issue with the Pirates is they always, next year always looks great. Well, it still does, but it looks you know, even better, and then so does this year. Right now, with, with these additions, so he's got to be he's got to be uh, shrewd with his bullpen usage because uh, if you bring in the wrong arm, there are a couple of good ones that you you passed over most likely to to pick the guy you did. Uh, the bigger thing I think I I going to have an eye on because I think I, I do think the rotation is sort of going to fall into place naturally. I don't think it's going to be a huge issue to take Nick Kingham out. Um, if that's what they choose to do. And when Chad Cole comes back, I've always thought he'd be a great fit in the bullpen, even just if there's not room in the rotation, mm-hmm. he can sort of gas it up to 99-100. I think it would be a blast to watch him. So we'll see what they do there. But right now, the rotation, I think, just makes sense. And the bigger issue, uh, I think, is, is sort of their bench, where you still have still have some issues. You still have guys like Sean Rodriguez who's going to be relying on day in and day out. You have David Freeze who's been great lately, but how often can he really play? How long will his body hold up? Uh, your fourth outfield now is, is even a little more confusing. Uh, your backup first baseman, where are you going there? So there, there is stuff to figure out, and I, I would keep an eye on them looking at the waiver deadline uh, at the end of August, trying to potentially add a bench bat, because those can come pretty cheaply. Uh, and pretty easily in August, uh, where their focus of the trade down the trade deadline was really to get uh, starting pitching and a little relief help. One step at a time. Steven Nesbitt from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Hey, man, thanks so much for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Yeah, great job you breaking that story. Okay, thank you. Joe Musgrove is going to join us at 915. He's ecstatic. If you've been following him on Twitter, he's oh, yeah. super psyched. We'll talk to Pirates pitcher Joe Musgrove, 915. But Rocky Blyer. And Gene Collier coming in after the break, 8.15, to talk about the reissue of Rocky's uh, seminal tome, Fighting Back. Also, we'll talk about his Steeler Hall of Honor intro- uh, induction coming up. And Gene Collier has written a new introduction to this uh, Fighting Back reissue. And then Double M closing things out today. Tons of show yet to come here this morning on DVE. <laughs> the gym I have has a, a steam room. But uh, I'm pretty sure it hasn't been cleaned since Myron Cope was in there oh. in, this, in the late, late 70s. Disease. You're going to get it. Yeah, definitely getting Legionnaire's disease in that thing. I don't. I, I had a bad experience at a steam room once, and I, I just won't go back. It was like, like Bob Airy? Uh, kind of. Like John Travolta yeah. was in there? Going, it was like hey, I couldn't hey, see anything. And then when I could, it was just all the Junk. guys were naked in there. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God.
Try to picture Myron in a steam room. <laughs> what sort just, of toxins were getting sweated out there? Uh, just half like, of it was steam, half of it was cigarette smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You shouldn't smoke in here, Myron. I think that kind of crosses out the wow, effect. Sure is steamy in here. That's not steam. That's <laughs> it's smoke. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Chris Archer's going to wear number 24. Stephen Nesbitt reporting. Archer uh, tweeting earlier. Hey, Pittsburgh, where's a good place for coffee? <laughs> hey, that's good. Hey, how about that? You know. We have this awesome place. It's called Starbucks. <laughs> Ever heard of it? Authentic New York pizza at Sparrow. <laughs> uh, that's good, though. He's not doing the Antonio Bryant, I know where all the clubs are, <laughs> move. You know, he's coming here like, yo, where's the party at? <laughs> Pittsburgh. we like, oh, man. He's like, where's the coffee at? <gasps> he's a gentleman. What strip club would y'all recommend? Don't ask Le'Veon Bell for those recommendations because no. he, whatever he, he goes God. to the bad, the bad one. That's like, I mean, Oof. unacceptable. I'd say unacceptable. Yeah, for a guy, you got too much money to be going to the bad strip club. I mean, any port in a storm. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sure. mad at the guy for going to a strip club. I'm just alarmed that he didn't go to more of a high class strip club. It really Quality. looked like as he had his hand on that stripper's arse, it looked like he was practicing running behind Ramon Foster. <laughs> Well, you don't know. Maybe he was taking uh, taking some snaps. Maybe they're they're planning on running some wildcat Keeping this season. Staying in game shape. That's all he's doing, Val. He's taking mental reps. Yeah, those are just as important as the physical reps. Right. But uh, I think he probably would have got flagged for holding there. <laughs> I think you might be right. There's a lot of cash on the ground, though. Chris Archer yeah. said, uh, coffee recommendations in Pittsburgh. I like high-quality coffee and a nice spot to read, relax, and listen to music. What? This is this guy's perfect. I got bad news for you, Chris. Once they find out you're there, it's not going to be too relaxing. People are going to be going crazy asking for your autograph. But I don't know. I always like that place down in the Strip, 21st Street Coffee. Yeah. Gas Street Coffee, also very good, down underneath the uh, bridge. Really good. Gas stations have really good coffee. I love gas station coffee. I just don't really go to coffee shops to hang out. Either do I. Because you know, I feel like if I'm not writing a screenplay, why am I there? <laughs> I know. You know? Wasn't Greg Warren who had the bit about the people on uh, on job interviews? <laughs> yeah, he's like, if you, if you have such little tact that you want to hold a job interview at a Starbucks, I feel like I should be able to jump in. <laughs> be the guy's agent. Uh, we have Rocky Blyer in studio here. Gene Collier joining us momentarily. Val has a news update for you now on DV. What's up, Val? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 72 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The wildfire destruction keeps spreading in California. The biggest, the deadly car fire near Redding in Northern California has now burned more than 112,000 acres. It's destroyed nearly 1,000 homes and hundreds of other buildings. So far, six people have died. Car fire is now about 30% contained. The fires forming the Mendocino Complex fire about 90 miles north of San Francisco have born, burned more than 75,000 acres and forced thousands to evacuate. And the Ferguson fire near Yosemite is now at 58,000 acres. Fire officials have extended, closing some parts of the park at least through this weekend. They used to have a designated like month or so of wildfire season. Mm -hmm. And it's now all year round. It's now. just not stopping. Yeah. 
World Breastfeeding Week is officially underway. Experts at the World Health Organization and UNICEF agree that breastfeeding is the best way to provide newborns and infants with all the essential nutrients that they need. As a result, it's recommend, recommended that breastfeeding, whenever possible, or pumping and storing uh, be the sole means of feeding babies up until at least six months of age. Not cool, though, to walk by a pregnant woman and say, happy breast milk. Awareness month. <laughs> Not cool. Were you breastfed or were you a formula? Like recently? Yeah. Um, no, I I was breastfed. Yeah. I don't know. Till I was way too old. And then I think my grandmother tried to breastfeed me as well, <laughs> which didn't scar me at all. I had no idea. My sister just told me this week when we were on vacation that we were formula fed. And I'm like, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know well, why. Well, that's a lot of kids, you know. That's what I w- was saying. I'm like, she's not a, a, yeah. a Labrador. You know, it's- <laughs> there's only uh, two faucets here. Yeah. Yeah. You can't keep turning those things on and off like that. <laughs> <laughs> but kids I bet there was like. hanging from you? Probably the time when my mom had kids, there was a stigma against it. Maybe. I don't know. What, formula, you mean? No. Breastfeeding. Breastfeeding. Oh. I don't know when that all got really popular yeah i don't know is it not always we've had this talk i think if you're old enough to walk up to the tap you should maybe be cut off yeah remember there was that movement a few years ago on the cover of time magazine the woman's like yeah i breastfeed my 11 year old what's the problem he's gonna be healthy like not mentally healthy yeah Yeah, he might never break his femur but that guy's gonna be the weirdest (laughs) partner in in a relationship ever (laughs) somebody's gonna be talking on the phone with him and he's gonna (laughs) <laughs> He's going to have more sexual Bobby? hangups. Bobby, what are you doing right now? <laughs> Eating. What are you guys up to? All right, let's clean it up. An 83-year-old Canadian man has built what is believed to be North America's largest nuclear fallout shelter. Bruce Beach built the 10,000-square-foot bunker to prepare, he says, for the end of the world. His Arc 2 shelter has more than 50 rooms that are created from 42 buried school buses. He started building the shelter all the way back in the 80s. He says he's expected a nuclear war for a long time and is really surprised it hasn't come yet. He was the subject of Doomsday Preppers, which was a 2012 Netflix documentary. In the program, he talks about how he has prepared for various scenarios and how he plans on surviving if the world comes to well, If he starts collecting end. two of every animal, <laughs> then worry. Day, Noah. Instead of taking them on a boat, he just takes them into a bunch of hollowed out buses you would need to because that's why i don't want to survive the like if there's like uh an apocalypse yeah i I don't want to come out of it because it's too much work (laughs) want to be at ground zero then you got to start all over again me and val want to be slim pickens in uh dr strange love we want to ride the bomb right to the ground (laughs) (laughs) like oh man i just got my yard where i wanted it (laughs) i don't want to come back that's a pretty significant Fallout shelter, though. That, yeah. I, and I'm he, he must be loaded. I'm fascinated by those kind of people. Like, I've watched a lot of the Doomsday Prepper stuff, and they are incredibly prepared. I'll say that. What is the uh, overlap, the Venn diagram of Doomsday Preppers and Bigfoot porn enthusiasts? Is it pretty big? You <sighs> think? Not sure. Yeah. Probably I check both boxes pretty, there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And how many of those people are hoarders and American pickers? <laughs> they're I feel all like those are all in the same family. They're all on those reality yeah. shows. All in the same. They're family all tree. on the spectrum. Yeah.
The only problem I have with those shows is they play way too many commercials. I like watching those shows, but they only make them like 19 minutes long. And you have to sit through yeah. like 11 minutes of commercials. God, I could watch American Pickers all day. Me too. I, I do love it. That's why I love Tollgate Revival here in town. And if you yeah. follow them on Instagram, like every day yeah, you're like, oh, because he does stuff. such great, uh, a great job finding stuff around the... Uh, the tri-state area. Gino, you you walking around saying hi? How are you? Up, Special guests in studio this morning. Pulitzer Prize losing columnist Gene Collier, joined mm-hmm. by, uh, oh, you might know this guy, The Rock, Rocky Blyer, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Hey, long time no see. How you doing there, buddy? Doing fine. Thank yeah. you very much. You look very, uh, you look very healthy. You look... That's Sorry, I go to the we gym. we lower the people that I go to the gym. <laughs> see, I always see Rock at the gym where he's getting like this uh, ridiculous workout in, and I'm like, I'm gonna go up and do Zumba. I'll see you later, Rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see you, man. And yeah, you look great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's Gino, nice. it's good nice to, to see you too. It's nice to be invited. You look so good. You look good too. Felt it yeah. does. Yeah, I like the hat. Yeah, what? Why Thanks. did you choose the Giants hat today? Are you wearing the last place uh, mm-hmm. team again? Okay, I, I was telling Rock before. You know, I usually buy one thing a year. That's you know, outside of beer and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, in the spring, I buy a baseball hat, and I always buy the hat of the worst team from the year before. It's a symbol of hope. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this we all have like it. Your a, we all have it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rocky, you are uh, coming off of uh, a pretty cool year. Uh, was it last year when you debuted the live uh, stage performance of uh, Fighting Back? Was that 2017? No? I thought it, it was, was two years ago. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the Heinz the, Hall uh, world premiere. That was it. Of, the world of, premiere was in 2015. The play with Rocky Blyer or the play or Rocky <laughs> play. Blyer with the play. <laughs> Uh, was uh, September 15 at Heinz Hall, and then oh, it had two runs wow. at the public God, theater that long, right? in yeah. 16 and December 17. Of 17. Right. Okay, yeah. Right. So, I I always thought that was the coolest thing that you could tour around the country doing that, and it would be big. You know, as, as huge as the NFL is, and as big of a figure as you are, in particular, uh, because you represent being a veteran of foreign war, you're an NFL veteran. Uh, Fighting Back was one of the biggest books. To ever be written by a sports figure like yourself, and you were like you know before there was Pat Tillman, there was there was Rocky Blyer. Yeah, you know I appreciate that. Yeah, so and you know so Fighting Back came out in nineteen seventy five. I didn't want to bring that. Yeah, nineteen seventy five. You know you remember that year very well. I, I was a toddler. <laughs> I was a toddler. <laughs> In 1975, so it was the. I was in college, <laughs> and I was, yeah. So I was. Yeah. We came out in the first year of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry O'Neill, um, who uh, prompted me to do it and ultimately wrote the uh, 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 wrote the book, uh, was uh, working for ABC at the time and said, uh, "Hey, what do you think about doing a book prior to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. like a week before the Super Bowl?" I thought, "Whoa, oh, well, I hadn't thought about it." Yeah, why don't you go down and record some stuff, and we'll see where it goes from there. And we, and that was it. And so we wrote the book, and uh, um, and then uh, it, uh, it, 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 we wrote the book, and it came out. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it did a wonderful job of pulling all the the story together in the early part of the story about 
coming up in Appleton, Wisconsin, and going to high school and through college at Notre Dame, and then come to, come uh, to the Steelers and in you know, those trials and tribulations of going to uh, Vietnam and coming back and trying to make this team and and all the characters that uh, were involved in that in that whole story. And so uh, then it was some twenty years later. I wrote an epilogue. <laughs> just to kind of bring it up to date. And then, 20-some years later, again, I had a better writer <laughs> by the name of Gene Collier uh, add uh, uh, two more nice. chapters uh, to the uh, to the book. So and two more chapters are, two. are now added in a reissue of Fighting Back. Yes, and so we're coming out with Fighting Back uh, for Veterans, which is the campaign, uh, because the proceeds of the book uh, we'll uh, be going to veteran organizations that we've earmarked. So it's like, uh, you know, buy a book, help a veteran. And, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and so, and the, and the reason that we're bringing it back is that it's interesting, or at least from my point of view, over the years uh, that people come up to me even today and said, oh, you know, the first book that I ever read in the fifth grade uh, was Fighting Back. Yeah. And, uh, or it uh, had some impact or was given to me by my grandfather or was given to me by my parents or I got it for Christmas or whatever. It, it was part of best. a collection of sports books that you had to read growing up, like uh, Ball Four, uh, you know, uh, Three Bicks Shy of a Load. Like all of those were sort of lumped into the if you're a sports fan these are the ones you have to read the bronx zoo stuff like that yeah that's right and i think you know so it was recommended by 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 teachers you know to say okay fine if you're going to read a book here's a sports book and here's (laughs) one that is about the steelers and it's about Mm -hmm. okay fine but i i really think that it was uh all the swear words that were in the book that really caught the attention of the Young at the time of explaining what took place in Vietnam and how my yeah. real feelings were at that at that point. Uh, so um, what I so what what we thought was that well let's reissue the book uh, and make it fresh and hard kick, uh, hardback and um, and have a purpose for the book uh, and have another generation enjoy the book so mm-hmm. that those fathers that read the book when they're in the fourth or fifth grade or sixth grade can now give it to their sons and or grandfathers give it to their grandkids and kind of um uh, and that was our that was our our thought process and and hopefully uh we can uh, accomplish that and and uh the i'm going to autograph the first ten thousand books awesome yeah, uh, in t- this afternoon, as a matter of fact. Yeah, all 10,000. <laughs> oh, wow. No. Yeah. <laughs> when you get all done, period of time. When so you get done, you'll have done more writing in the, on the book <laughs> than I did in the book. <laughs> <laughs> now, Alejandro Villanueva also uh, contributing <clears throat> yeah. to this reissue. Yeah, very much so because of the uh, uh, the veterans uh, aspect that, uh, uh, as I said, where the proceeds are going to go with the book. Um, but uh, obviously of his popularity and uh, the relationship that we had about being in the military. Uh, and so I approached uh, uh, Al about writing it. And, oh, he accepted very graciously and uh, I thought did a wonderful job of capturing um, what it meant to serve and being a part of the Steeler Nation and uh, uh, and, uh, and and giving back to one's community. And so he did a, a, a wonderful job in writing that forward. Now you're going to go back to Vietnam later this month with a crew from ESPN and it'll be the first time you've returned since 1969. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? Well, overwhelmed only because I, I have a lot of reading to do. 
just to catch up on what took place turning noise. Just to remind me what happened over yeah. there. I'm yeah. reading this book called Fighting Back. But that has to be. I mean, I'm. I. You know, at first, at first, they and I. Let me tell you this. It just because as a veteran, people ask, "Well, are are you nervous about it? Did the anticipation?" And if this opportunity had not existed, I don't know whether I I didn't have a big need to go back to Vietnam. There was there was any, no closure. There were no closure. It, I didn't need any closure. Yeah. I get, you know I think I got unlike the majority of Vietnam veterans coming back um, to the Steelers back in 1970 was a great catharsis for me, only because of the fact that I came back to quote, a high-profile industry. It was a story of this kid trying to come back and make a football team. And so the questions that were asked, um, I had to all of a sudden come up with an answer. What was the war like? What did you feel? Uh, how was the comparison? What do you think about coming back? And, um, and what memories do you have? And so I got a chance to talk about that unlike the majority of veterans who came back and had to repress all those feelings because of the uh, attitude of the American people about that veteran because mm-hmm. he was identified with the Vietnam War and that conflict, which uh, was unpopular, so you became unpopular. And so rather than having to face that, I just they repressed it, went back to school, went back to uh, work, got married, raised They tried to stay so low-key about it. And, so you yeah. got to have your catharsis happen out in the open, and, uh, and yeah. y- you, were, you were invited to do that uh, because of your profession, right? Uh, so you were uh, coming back into the the league. You were thrust into uh, you know like having to to deal with all that stuff publicly, which was probably helpful. And everyone else had to hide. That's right. And that was the, and that was a and that was a big difference. So wow. So for me, I never considered uh, it, that it yeah. was a it was a healing process. Um, and then also, uh, it was almost you know because I was put on maybe a different pedestal. Yeah, because people, you know, kind of looked up to you because mm-hmm. of the celebrity quotient involved. Oh, that's right. right. Uh, unlike the other uh, veterans who returned, and so uh, then you—that's a then heck of a safety going, net to come back to, right? Yeah, yeah, that was, and you know, and so that worked out very well. So for so for basically for my need to have to go back to Vietnam for any closure was not really there, you know. So what I would like to do is to. Uh, during this period of time, is to reassess those feelings and um, and try to uh, hopefully come back with a story of what it was like for the average veteran to serve in Vietnam uh, during that period of time, all these fifty some years ago, um, and 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 maybe have that story told. Ken Burns's uh, documentary on Vietnam, I thought, was a wonderful educational process for the average American person uh, who is not in Vietnam, but to understand political aspects, North of Vietnam, the Viet Cong, how it all got to be, what took place. Oh, I think that that did a better job of educating the American public about the Vietnam more than the edu- educational system ever did. 
Very, very it, much so, you know, because the educational system uh, omitted Vietnam. <laughs> fairly was, fairly was, important I mean, points. Are, there were a lot of points in Ken Burns' documentary. I was like, I didn't know that. That's right. Really? Yeah. You remember all those, <laughs> all the history books when you were in high yeah. school that, you know, that really focused on Vietnam? It was like a page. You're right. Yeah. They, they kind of yeah. glossed over it. Glossed over it. And we got a lot of great music the end. <laughs> That's right. And, it was, <laughs> and a lot of protests. And, you know, like, yeah. and, and that was the uh, that was the. Success in the 70s and so that was but so uh, hopefully um, what I would like to be able to do maybe in this context is to kind of give a kind of give a, a, a retrospect of the average soldier and what he had felt you see it seems like you're going to, to lengths to make sure that you're representing the vantage point of people that weren't you because you seem like you do you feel a, a sense of Guilt is the wrong word, but that you had it a little bit better because of your status coming back than the rest of oh, them did. Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, very much so. Better. Only it looked up to better, you know. And and, and, and you and saw that as not being fair. No, I didn't think that's fair, you know, because I had a lot of friends, uh, you know, that, that, that came back and had to deal with a lot of post-traumatic stress. You know, we didn't know at that time yeah. what it was Shell called. Shell-shocked was whatever it might yeah. be. And, uh, um, you know, Agent Orange that uh, later crept up and, oh uh, and so on and so on mm-hmm. and so on and so on and just didn't get the respect uh, of, of having served their country. Whether you liked it or didn't like it, whether you liked the war or didn't like it, but it was about the soldier and the fact that they did serve. I mean, they didn't run away and they didn't become a conscientious objector. They didn't go to jail. They just right. served. That and- conflation that protesters made back then between the people who were sent off to fight the war and the justification for the war. Um, that was a- as ugly as a t- moment in time that this country's ever had uh, for certain. Do you think it got any better after that? Because there were still wars that people objected to. Oh, no, it got better. But, you know, and here, it, 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 from my little sense of, of humor, it got better uh, at the Gulf War, 1991, 92. Uh, and why? Well, because it was a short conflict, if we remember, a good two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was fought like it was fought in the image of how we expect we, the American people, expect the United States to be able to uh, to have a war, which is that, like, um, we had Schwarzkopf come out every night on television, uh, dressed. I always imagine he had like two forty fives on his hip, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, yeah. All right, pilgrims. It was like right. John Wayne. Yeah. And okay, we circle those wagons, and we're gonna. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna move here. We're gonna kick them out of here. And we'll just move this out of here. And by God, they did it. Mm-hmm. Like the next day, and the American people all of a sudden woke up and they go, "Wow, that's the way things should have been," you know. And we had flags on our cars people beeping their horns it was somewhat of a glorious time at that moment uh that soldier became a hero um and um and so it trickled over to the vietnam veteran and it was the first time ever in the lives of a lot of veterans or vietnam veterans that somebody came up and thanked them for their service because of what took place in the Gulf War. And then it has continued over these many years, over these last 20 years. It does seem to me that people have been able to separate. If I'm against the war, I'm not against the soldier. Correct. Something they weren't 
enable or unable to do during the Vietnam War. That's right. So now, but then, but then you get this. Then you get this aspect to, from, from a political point of view. So you got this aspect is that one percent of our population serves in the military. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's ninety nine percent out there. I don't think they feel guilty, but they feel something that, you know, it makes me feel better to thank you, to help support you, because I'm not doing anything over here. Now you feel indebted. Right, yeah. And so the the American soldiers today, uh, in in a lot of respects, excuse me, get some lip service, Mm -hmm. uh, but at least a thank you, you know. Um, I get it all the time now, as well as other veterans. Uh, Somebody comes up and says, hey, thank you for your service. Just Mm -hmm. thank you for your service, and thank you for your service. and so um, it is a much better atmosphere to be in today than it was back some 40, 50 years ago. But there are a whole lot more vets, and they need to be taken care of, and uh, you are ensuring that they're uh, getting the level of care that they deserve by donating proceeds from well, this. That's right. And, yeah. Getting yeah, it's and, and helping it, raise it's, awareness. And, <clears throat> and uh, of course, this has always been a, a cause near and dear to your heart, and uh, this yeah. is a great way to do it, the reissue of fighting back i'm very interested in, in hearing about and i, I want to know what gene had to contribute here the two extra chapters oh they were great yeah i mean this is uh this was great fun to do i don't know how many people uh, realize this but you know the further there as you said randy there are two parts to this kind of epilogue and one is uh, is about rocky's family a lot of people don't realize this rocky uh you know um around the turn of the century adopted two ukrainian orphans uh lovely girls emily and rosie and uh, the story of how that came together uh, is the subject of one of these uh, parts of the epilogue. And it was great, uh, great fun to do that uh, because it's just a, a tremendous uh, story of uh, Rock kind of, you know, really putting his his family uh, together and back together. And um, uh, it's uh, it was just an honor to do. The, the second part of it is about the play which is, um, you know, way too much about me, but also about uh, all the other people who made the play possible. And it's mostly about, I think, or I hope it, the focus of it is uh, just how, um, I, and this is not a, um, no disrespect to Rock, but just how unbelievably good he was at it. Um, and by, by that I only mean I thought he would be good at it because he's he's a public speaker he's used to being in front of people but he was astounding at it uh, acting uh, that play I know it's his own story but just imagine him he's out there by himself for 90 minutes yeah. he's never acted he's never been you know in a theater setting and you know he carries it off like uh, you know he's been acting all his life um, and the typical so, review I heard from that started like this oh <laughs> so good. He is so good. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, that's that's essentially the second part of my just my a big oh, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, all right, we're way uh, over time here, so I do yeah, have sorry. to get going. Yeah, but thanks. I want to say, uh, I, first of all, it's always a pleasure to see you, Rock, yeah. and uh, and you too, Gino. And the new uh, issue of Fighting Back is going to be available when. It it, uh, it is available now. Uh, if you go to fightingbackforveterans.com, you can put your order in, um, and it'll be in the um, that's the it'll be in the Steeler stores uh, come um, August 
10th. Required reading for Steeler fans everywhere. So we're going to make sure that uh, we'll push out uh, the link to this so people can get it uh, ordered ASAP. And I hope you'll come back and talk about your uh, being honored in the new Steelers Hall of Honor class of 2018. We'll come. We'll do that. We kind of ran out of time today. Yeah. No, we'll do that. It'll be fine. And we'll come back and we'll talk about Vietnam, too. Gene Collier. Rocky Blyer. Rock, I'll see you at the gym. Yeah. See you there. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Mike Pursuta okay. live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe. That's how you say it. <laughs> Do you always say Latrobe or do you say Latrobe? Oh, I go, no, I say that place. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> you had it much different than they do now, right? <laughs> That's yeah. right? How many weeks did you guys have to go? Oh, six. I honestly got like six. So we had six exhibition games, and we were two weeks before the exhibition games. So you know, so it was like two months. We late, and then wow. the rookie was there about like a week before we got there in camp, and so <laughs> they were like they're all summer. <laughs> <laughs> Things change. Things have changed. <laughs> Rocky, thanks so much. Okay. Mike Pursuta next live from Steelers Street. Difference. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now, live from Steelers training camp, but it's all about the Buckos this morning. Mike. I got to follow Rocky Blyer. That was pretty good stuff, right? <laughs> he is amazing. Tough to uh, tough to follow that. He's just he's one of the most interesting guys I've ever known. Yeah, love, I've, I've thought this for a while, you know, and I've, I've, I followed him. Uh, I was growing up as a Steeler fan, and he was a player, and then getting the chance to meet him in his post-career life. Uh, I think he is a much more better-looking, well-educated, and articulate version of Forrest Gump. <laughs> That's a great call. He just seems to be everywhere where something really significant's going on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying life, to think of a better analogy. Life is like a box of Sarah's chocolates. Oh, well, it's like a box. Yeah. He always reminds always me. Of, he, he reminds me of a very fit. Jim Leland. It's like if Jim Leland never smoked, <laughs> if every time Jim Leland smoked a cigarette, he did a push up, that's Rocky Blyer. <laughs> Sports this hour is brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. Uh, the Pirates beat the Cubs 5 to 4 last night. What a night at PNC Park. Uh, the Pirates uh, kind of symbolically celebrating uh, their activity at the trade deadline. General Manager Neil Huntington pulling the trigger on deals that landed reliever Keone. Kella and uh, starting pitcher Chris Archer, uh, moves that uh, seemingly have strengthened the Pirates significantly as they uh, continue to try to stay relevant. They made it 16 wins in 20 games with that 5-4 win over the Cubs. Home runs by Francisco Cervelli, his 10th, and Gregory Polanco, his 19th. Uh, Jamison Tyone lasted six and two-thirds innings. Was not uh, at his best, but uh, good enough. Uh, Seven hits, three runs, all of them earned. Uh, they all came uh, on a three-run home run by Javier Baez, that on an 0-2 pitch, which uh, I'm sure Tyon was disappointed about. Uh, he walked two and struck out two, improves to 8-8. Eight eight. His ERA is 3.74. Pirates finally beat John Lester, fourth time they've seen him this season. He only lasted five innings, seven hits, four runs, all of them earned three walks and three strikeouts. Lester falls to 12-4. and four. They're 5-5 five and five against the Cubs this year. It's pretty impressive. And uh, after tonight, they will have eight games left against the Cubs this year. And uh, that's only significant if you're thinking, uh, as I am, that maybe uh, they're after more than they are after more than just a wild card spot. Look, they've got a. They have to deliver now. They just went on an epic run. I think Pirate fans are going to be expecting that level 
to continue. You can't keep going at the pace they've been going at. It's going to level off a little bit, but it can't falter too much, Mike. they got to keep up a pretty torrid pace. Yeah, it's it, it's a crowded playoff chase. Uh, in the division, the Pirates are six games behind the Brewers and the Cubs. And in the wild card, uh, they're three back of the second wild card, but that is currently shared by Atlanta, Colorado, and the Dodgers. So, uh, yeah, they got to keep winning. Uh, but I think uh, what's, what's coming into focus, uh, at least on my end, is you're seeing that some of these acquisitions that Neil Huntington made, guys that uh, I had legitimate questions about, at the start of the season, and I'm talking about a Joe Musgrove, uh, Colin Moran, Corey Dickerson. It uh, looks like uh, he has acquired some pretty good players while they were kind of transitioning from last year to this year. Uh, and now you have these two pitchers who have uh, much more established track records as, as you know, regarding what they can do and what's going to be expected of them. Uh, you've got some uh, people starting to grow into the roles, uh, Tyone being one of those uh, that you envisioned for them. And, you know, maybe the rest of this year is about experiencing a pennant race, and then maybe starting next year they can really start thinking about winning one. Maybe not. Well, like, yeah, that's the the uh, the real win in all of this is if it doesn't happen right now, they, they have these guys a while. Yeah, it feels like they have a team now, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it and, does. Oh, okay, this is what it's going to be. This, this is what it is now. This is what it's going to be next year for the most part and maybe even the year after. How does this team compare to the one they dismantled from uh, three years ago? Boy, I can't go there right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's better than the one they had last year. There you go. That's all that's important. All right, Mike. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Okay, just just all done? Well, yeah, we're a little over clock, aren't we? We are. We are over clock. Mike, okay. Mike Pursuta, live from Steelers Training Camp. We'll check with him next hour. Val, what do you got? Tom Cruise did not know there was such a thing as as internet porn. Joe, <laughs> yeah, right. Joe Musgrove coming up at 915. Pirates pitcher will react to the big trade acquisitions yesterday. Mark Madden, 945. Happy birthday, Jerry Garcia. If only you were around to uh, to enjoy it. And uh, we'll try to fit a little Jerry in here before the... Uh, the show's over today. We're headed out to Steelers training camp after this show. We'll be out there for the next couple of days, broadcasting live tomorrow and then live to tape Friday morning. But we'll be doing the live from Late Trail radio show with Mike tonight at Sharky's. See you guys out at Steelers training camp. It's the DV Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Val Porter, Bill Crawford. Mike Pursuit is live at Steelers training camp. And joining us on the phone right now, our buddy John Meyer. Johnny, good morning. How are you, man? Randy, I'm great. How are you? Doing good. So now that you've left the uh, Pittsburgh media behind, and you're off and uh, doing all this great stuff in the uh, civilian world. And, and trying, um, I don't know. I, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things that are greater than me. Just trying to put my hand in the ring, you know. Yeah, no, but you are involved in something that is pretty great. The inaugural CEO Soak, a uh, a charitable uh, endeavor here, which benefits the ALS Association Western PA chapter. Tell us about the CEO Soak. Pretty cool. So if you recall a couple of years ago, the ice bucket challenge became the craze that swept the country and really, I would say, brought ALS and what needs to be done to eventually find a cure and a, a, that we can uh, eradicate this, this terrible, terrible disease yeah. that has, you know, obviously hit um, a lot, a lot of people. So anyway, we thought, how can we kind of, uh, as that started to die down, the ice bucket challenge, how can we continue to keep um, ALS on the forefront and raise some money for it. And uh, Mike Daniels from Oxford Development really came up with a great idea and said, why don't we stick a bunch of CEOs 
into PPG Plaza and just turn the fountains on. And so last year was our first year that we ever ever did it. Raised about fifty thousand bucks, which was fantastic. And we're doing it again tomorrow morning from uh, eleven to one. We'll turn the hoses on or the fountain on at twelve thirty and get to see Frank Cunnelly from the Pirates get doused, which. Uh, I think a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you can see him get doused all the time. <laughs> uh, but now it's really great to see them, uh, their turnaround. Uh, and Steve Blass is going to be the MC. I know you guys know him well. So it's going to be a lot best. of fun. And, yeah, yeah. We're looking forward to it. And uh, We're at $40,000 now, uh, hoping to get to fifty tomorrow, which I think we'll do. I think last year about this time, the day before, we were at like 15000 and we, we had a big charge. So, uh would love for anybody to go to the website. If you just Google CEO Soak, that's C as in cat, E-O, Soak, um, it'll pop up right there. And uh, I'd love to um, see people donate however they can. And uh, you can go to web.alsa.org. We will post that website for people to uh, register and donate to be a part of tomorrow. CEO Soak. Once again, that starts tomorrow at what time? It starts at 11 a.m. right there in downtown PPG Plaza. Uh, goes till one, but we'll turn the uh, fountains on at twelve thirty. Good deal. I love it. You line these guys up in their suits, and they just get soaked. <laughs> they do, which is fun. Yeah, everybody gets their their ties, and they all come out of like whatever building uh, and banker's job and uh, whatever higher fluting job that they have. They come on down and um, just uh, get uh, doused with water, and and it's a lot of fun. And you know, it's great for them too. Everybody's Facebook live. And my wife did it last year, Janelle Hall. And uh, she says hello, by the way, guys. Um, hi, Janelle. Tell her we said hi. <laughs> Will do. Will well, do. the only reason uh, you're on is because you're Janelle's husband. I mean, <laughs> yes, otherwise, yeah, you w- yeah. we wouldn't even have you on. So. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I, I realize that. I'm okay with it, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I quickly became, as soon as you leave broadcasting, it was, oh, you're Janelle's husband. I said, that's exactly right. Uh, so <laughs> I had a funny feeling had I stayed in broadcasting, it would have been the same way. Possibly. <laughs> hey, man, uh, well done by you, and uh, and uh, we'll get that information out to everybody on DVE.com as well to uh, register or donate, be a part of the CEO Soak tomorrow, web.alsa.org, and we'll make sure to uh, inform as many people as we can there. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it, and I hope you have a great morning. You too. We'll see you. Great stuff. Today would have been uh, Jerry Garcia's 76th birthday. We're late, but who cares? The dead. (laughs) DVE. Only about 11% of companies don't block any websites on employees' computers. 85% will block porn sites. Yeah, but if somebody's going in the workplace, uh, don't you want to know who the people in your office are that would look up porn while they're at work? Those deviants. Don't you want them to reveal themselves? Where the scarlet letter? Because there are guys in offices around town who share porn. Like, oh, I'm sure. Right. Even today. I mean, when it's so, you know, people are like, you can't do that kind of stuff. No, and I would want to know who those people are. <laughs> like, oh. Well, thanks, Brent. That was very nice of you to show me this uh, midget porn, but uh, got to tell you, inappropriate. We're gonna have to take you off a couple accounts. (laughs) Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. I I just want to know if anybody's into Bigfoot porn. That's it. (laughs) I don't care about the regular porn anymore. Apparently, people are. People, yeah. Well, that congressional candidate in Virginia. Yeah. He's into Bigfoot porn. Maybe he's a Star Wars fan and just. Can't get his fix. He's really into Bigfoot. And he says the Bigfoot porn part was just kind of a joke. 
But if you're really into Bigfoot, mm, you probably check out. Probably into the Bigfoot porn. <laughs> Type that into the search bar. Well, it's like the furries, right? Type you go it in, and Bill. you're like, oh, they're so yes. adorable, and they like to dress up like animals and assume this alternate personality, and then oh, uh, they're all having sex with each other. Mm. Well, even that's not such a big deal. But when you go into their art exhibits, oh, you did. I did. You yes. infiltrated it. We sent you yes. in there. Erotica. Yeah, it is. That was it our, is, it, our project to, Veritas. To say it's graphic isn't really doing it justice. It was so over the top aggressive that I I can't unsee that stuff. So Bigfoot porn would have fit right in with that stuff. Oh yeah. I'm surprised they're not touring together because <laughs> it's a perfect opening act. Yeah. No pun intended there. Um but the other creepy part was that they had the plushies, the plushophiles, and they had like this petting zoo of all stuffed animals. Oh. <laughs> and so that people could just come in and just kind of lay and cuddle with stuffed oh, animals. No. I'm like, I know they're having sex with them. Do that yeah. in the privacy of your own weird this house. This one's sticky. What do you got going on, Val? If that Teddy Ruxpin could really talk, (laughs) he'd tell us a horror story. Yeah. Now I understand why that Care Bear has a cloud on his belly. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a cloud? God, I hope that's a cloud. All right, let's move on. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. (laughs) At 74 degrees at DVE, the news is brought to us by CCAC. Let's get right to the celebrity stuff since we're pretty short on time. Uh, Tom Cruise apparently was clueless about internet porn until Seth Rogen gave him the down low. Judd Apatow told Stephen Colbert about the strange conversation that the two had back in 2006. Seth started to share his favorite X-rated sites when Tom interrupted saying, wait, wait. You're saying there's adult films on the internet? Wait up. Hold on a second. Seth said, yeah, I watch all the time. It's great. Everybody does it. It's not a big deal anymore. Seth actually then verified Judd Apatow's account on Twitter saying, yep, it's true. True conversation. Wait a minute. You mean there's parties somewhere where you can just wear a mask and just everybody has sex with each other in all (laughs) these different rooms? Somebody... Uh, posted a an interview that Tom Cruise gave recently about movies, and it was like he clearly never has gone to the movies. <laughs> it was like he didn't. They're like, how much do you like going to the movies? Movies are movies are special. Like he just didn't know how to really describe it. It was kind of like the forty year old virgin thing. Like breasts, they're oh, like bags God. of wet cement. Yeah. Like, no, that's not what they're like. <laughs> you you like to hold them <laughs> tightly. David Crosby might be the most miserable man on earth. Do you follow him on Twitter? Yeah, he's always fighting and yeah. snarky. Uh, he's making no attempt to sugarcoat how he feels about ABBA. In a series of recent tweets, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer repeatedly referred to ABBA as utter, complete pop dog poop. <laughs> you know. He also uh, tweeted, not one decent song ever. <laughs> <laughs> he hates Kanye. He hates the... He hates everything. He hates the Doors. He hates Jim Morrison. It's always kind of funny. This is why CSN has a should be a hard... show. Uh, I'm surprised... David he... Crosby hates everything. He does. He do... Who did he just perform with? 
Some oh, big contemporary. Jason Isbell. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, at the Newport Folk Festival, they performed uh, wooden ships. You should just say, dude, lighten up. Bill, don't do that. What? It's, dude, it's... <laughs> I found <laughs> Bigfoot porn. He's showing is me. it... It's straight People up. People dressed as Bigfoot yes. having sex. Yes, it it's is. Not uh, yeah, it's drawings. not drawing. actual it's Bigfoot. Not caricature. No, no <laughs> it's not two uh, big feet. Uh, it's it's a Bigfoot and a, a human. Uh, human girl there. Bigfoots. Bigfoots? It would be Bigfoots. Bigfoots, big... It looks like he has a Bigfoots. <laughs> Congratulations are in order for David Hasselhoff. He has remarried the 66-year-old actor with 33-year-old model Haley Roberts in Italy this week. Good move, Haley. They've been together for seven years. Wow. No kidding. Been engaged for two. He previously was married to Catherine Hickland and Pamela Bach, actresses. And MTV, finally, uh, MTV turning 37 today. The network launched in New York City August 1st, 1981, becoming the, fr- becoming the first ever 24-hour video music channel. Uh, the first words ever spoken on MTV were, ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. First, first video? I know you know this. Well, and I won't say it. No, what is it? Video killed the radio star by the Buggles. The Buggles. Perfect video to start with. I remember HBO Jukebox was before that Friday night videos. Yep, Friday night videos. All of that stuff. Well, HBO Jukebox, though, was just like between movies, right? Didn't Uh, it just pop up It might have been, yeah. It might have been something that kind of popped in between, uh, like, while you were waiting for a start time of a movie, but it was good stuff. MTV News, when did that happen? Because Kurt Loder would just, it was just Much later, 90s, I believe. Really? Late 80s, late 80s, yeah. Showers and thunderstorms near 80 for the high today. It's 74 at DVE. Joe Musgrove from the Pittsburgh Pirates joining us right now on the DVE Morning Show. Good morning, Joe. How are you, man? I'm doing phenomenal, guys. How you doing? Dude, how psyched are you? I mean, if your Twitter account is uh, any indication, you've got to be ecstatic about what went down yesterday. Yeah, I think our whole clubhouse is really excited, man. We've uh, we've been playing really good ball, and we want to win, and these guys uh, help us do that, so we're really excited. So let me ask you this. All right, so there was a big – we were all anticipating your availability with the Pirates, and, you know, once you get started, things start going great, and we have a lot of hope, and, and, and you're a guy that we're rooting for and we can count on, but it seems like there's a few missing parts, and then all of a sudden the GM comes out and says, well, it looks like re- optimism has turned to realism. Now – what was the team's reaction to those comments at the time? Did you guys like process those in like uh, the style of the movie Major League and said, we got to do this, guys? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I felt like it honestly started back in spring training. You know, we had a lot of confidence in the group we had coming in. Um, you know, and showing up to spring, it seemed the word I got from the guys that were there that had been here the past couple of years is that it was a different type feel. You know, the chemistry of the team and the bond that we had as a group and the trust we had in one another was – um, was on another level, so you know I know there was a lot of uh, a lot of about how the season was going to go for us and where mm-hmm. we were going to end up at this point in the year, and um, you know we understood that it you know really only mattered between us players that we you know had trust in one another and that we would be able to get to this point and kind of force the hand to go grab a couple guys and and make a run at this thing. So. Um, to us, I feel like it's kind of been our plan all along, and it's kind of nice to see it fall into place. That's the best part for the fans, what you just said. You forced their hand. They had to do this. You guys made them believe in you, and that's got to pay dividends going forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's uh, it's a good 
bond that you create between you and your management and stuff. You know, when it seems like everyone's on the same page and everyone's pulling for the same thing. So let me ask you, how do you envision Clint Hurdle utilizing all of these new assets, uh, in particular uh, uh, with Kella in there? Uh, with four guys, are you worried at all about a scenario where you're dealing aces and he's going to go, well, no, we got three guys to go seven, eight, nine, so you're done? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, I think it takes a little pressure off the starter, I guess, to not have to worry about going seven. But, um, you know, we, we're out there competing. We're going to take the ball as long as he'll let us have it. But um, I think we're a little more comfortable giving the ball up when you got an extra arm back there that's, you know, a hard throwing righty with some nasty secondary stuff. So, um you know, I think it. I think it opens a lot of doors and gives us a lot of opportunities to to mix the seven, eight, nine roll and night set Felipe's down. You got Crick and Kellen now that can close out the game. You got a new eighth inning guy you can have in there if Crick needs a day. So I think it gives us a lot of a lot of different opportunities. Joe, we had your teammate Corey Dickerson on uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, one of the things he talked about was that uh, fourteen and thirty-one stretch you guys endured, and he said you, you have to learn from your failures in baseball uh, before you can really have success. Do you, do you buy into that? And what do you learn uh, when you're, when you're struggling? Yeah, hundred percent. It's tough, you know, and you talk about momentum being such a big thing in baseball and it can be contagious and it can be cancerous at the same time. Um, you know, when things are going well, it seems like everyone's feeding off one another. And when we can't seem to win a game, it seems like everyone's trying to do a little bit too much to be the guy to pull us out of it. So, um, you know, you do you do got to just try to bite down and keep grinding and good moving forward and try to get through the tough times, you know, as a team. And you start to learn a lot about your team through those times. And, and you're uh, on the other you know, side of that now. You're out of it, and, and absolutely, presumably, the group is stronger having gone through it. Yeah, absolutely. And every team runs through a stretch like that throughout a season. Ours lasted a little longer than we would have liked it to, but. Um, you know, we got out to a really hot start, and we're playing good ball now. So you just got to try and ride these waves as long as you can. How uh, how big of a hit is it though to to lose Glass now, a guy that you probably saw as a young pitcher with a lot of potential? Uh, it's a good move for him, but uh, I'm sure you guys would have liked to see him realize that potential in a pirate uniform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got a special arm, and he's um, one of the best best athletes I've been around. Um, so he brings a lot to the table, but. Um, you know, it is a business, and we understand that. You know, it's tough, you know, not, not only to lose him as a player, but you think about the, you know, the friend that you're losing and the brother that you're losing. Um, and he's been one of my close buddies since I came over to the Pirates. So it's it's a tough it's a tough loss, but, you know, it, it's a good move for him. I know he's going to get a chance to go back on the starting rotation, which is where I think he ultimately belongs. But I had a similar path as him, so I was telling him, you know, I, I came over from Houston where I used to be a starter and I got moved to the bullpen for the last half of the year. And I think going to the bullpen was the best thing that could have happened to me for my career as a starter. You know, you learn a lot about yourself down there. You learn how to pitch in tough situations, how to get big league hitters out when you need to. Um, you learn really how to use your stuff. And I think it's going to be a great move for him. So, um, you know, it's kind of bittersweet, but uh, we're really excited for him. Do you think, you know, there's there's a bit of a transition. You know, some teams have different philosophies for pitching when you switch ball clubs, uh, and that can pose a bit of an obstacle for some people. Do, do you think with with Archer and Kayla coming in here, they're going to have to do any sort of adapting, or are they ready to fit into the Pirates pitching philosophy from the get-go? Yeah, I mean, I think those guys have almost established their way of pitching and their style already. Um, so I don't see them coming over here and, I don't see Ray and Yuke and the guys really doing a whole
whole lot to change what they're doing. I think at this point you just kind of adopt what their uh, what their methods are, and as time goes on, you know, you throw in things I think that you feel unnecessary, but I think with guys like this, you don't really have to change a whole lot. You know, they'll see how we throw, and they'll see you know what works in this league, and and kind of adapt as they move as they move on. I guess. Uh, we're, we're talking with Joe Musgrove right now. Joe, what is your favorite pirate uniform? I like the blacks. The blacks are my all favorite. blacks. I seem to keep getting stuck in these yellow ones on Sundays. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting you're getting the pillbox, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like the black ones though. I mean, I mean, all of our uniforms are really good, and our home whites are really nice. It's, but uh, I'm a fan of black look. You know, you get stuck in those yellow ones because they won the World Series wearing those, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but I just don't understand why we choose to wear them on the hottest day of the week. It's a day game every time. Uh, Joe, one question that I do have to ask you is how you really feel about having Stephen Brault take your sister to the high school dance back in San Diego. <laughs> it was funny. Actually, we had a talk yesterday at a signing we were at, but uh, but I had close eyes on him. I went with one of my sister's friends, and you know, my sister, me, and Steve were both younger. I think Steve was a junior, and I was a sophomore. So uh, my sister and her friend were seniors, so we went with both of them just kind of as a, a friendly group. So it was uh, it was harmless. Okay. He wasn't, like, trying to sing to her or anything like that? No, 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 no. (laughs) Knock that right out of him right away. (laughs) Well, uh, Joe, uh, I tell you what, Pirate fans haven't been this excited in a long time, and I think you guys are going to see the ballpark filled once again. You know, they've never really left. The television ratings have been huge. Did you guys ever consider that when uh, there were nights when the ballpark could have used a few more butts in the seats? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know it was freezing at at the beginning half of the season, so that was um, kind of expected, I guess, but um, you know, I, I learned it with, with Houston last year, making the special run that we did. The games, the games hold so much more value when there's you know thirty thousand, forty thousand people in the stands cheering you on every night. And, um, it takes more than just the nine guys on the field to get through it. And a lot of the, a lot of the things that come with home field advantage are uh, are huge contributors to that. So hopefully, we have. The product that these people have been looking for for you know for a while and um, we're playing really good ball so there's no better time to get out to the park than right now no doubt about it we'll see you there joe musgrove pittsburgh pirates hey thanks so much for your time this morning joe we really appreciate it yeah guys thanks for the piece all right man go get him yeah. uh buckos tremendous <laughs> well he talks Great like he plays doesn't he big fan efficient no, it's just like, hey, good, let's go. This is what it is. Like, he's just an intense guy. Yeah. He's out there. Uh, he does everything on the field, high speed. That, that kind of felt like uh, high speed chatter. He's a uh, yeah. He's an easy to root for guy. There's no doubt no about question. it. And now I guess intense, not high speed, but he's he's, he's like AJ Burnett 2.0. Yeah, he's all in. I'm so excited for the Steelers, but the fact that I also have the Buckos back right now to really care about, I mean, you've had them for like a month, but it still was like in the back of my head, I didn't really believe they would pull these moves off. No. I believe they tipped their hand when Neil Huntington said, well, realism time. I thought for sure that meant they were like, okay, put it on the books. We're dumping. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, of course, this might mean you want to be careful on like chair three out at uh, Seven Springs. Might be a few things that don't get repaired <laughs> this year, but still, <laughs> right. might want to double check those bindings. That's right. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit live from Steelers training camp with the sports update for you right now. Super cool talking with Joe Musgrove there before the break. 
Yeah, he has really uh, been a nice fit, has he not? And it looks like a guy who's really going to be front and center and whatever it is the Pirates are, are going to achieve of some significance this season and beyond. Uh, he wasn't a part of last night's 5-4 win over the Cubs. It was Jamison Tyone's turn with the ball. But uh, Tyone able to give the Pirates 6.2 innings, uh, three earned runs. Uh, that was just a little bit better than John Lester, who gave up four earned runs in five innings. The Pirates eventually win it 5-4. to four. One of the more bizarre ninth innings I've seen in a long, long time. The Cubs <laughs> get a leadoff single off of Felipe Vasquez, and then Addison Russell hits a triple to right center. But uh, the play at third, uh, the call is safe, and uh, David Freeze immediately turns to the bench and starts making the headset gesture. And uh, the Pirates challenge it, and as it turns out, Russell overslid the bag at third. Uh, Freeze stayed with the play and tagged him out after he – came off the base, and instead of a one-run lead with a runner at third and nobody out, it was a one-run lead with one out and nobody on. Do you think that uh, game's fortunes changed in uh, a heartbeat? It was a call, a replay review, and everybody breathlessly waiting for the result. And uh, that's what uh, we get now in sports. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Pirates are probably pretty happy about that. Uh, They've got the Cubs again tonight. You know, it's actually uh, Chris Archer's turn to pitch tonight. Yeah, but he's not going to make the flight, right? He's he's not going to, but it, wouldn't that have been something? Because the Cubs are pitching Cole Hamels, who they picked up from Texas, and uh, that would have been the uh, you know the trade bowl if they could have gotten Archer here and on the mound. <laughs> I think he's on the way, according to Twitter. But uh, Nick Kingham is going to pitch tonight. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys a couple reactions that uh, I've been perusing uh, to all this trade deadline stuff. This is from Richard Justice of MLB.com. GM Neil Huntington probably won the day on Tuesday by acquiring Archer in a trade that sent a loud, clear message to his clubhouse that he believes the Pirates can win in 2018. The Rays extracted a high price for Archer, former top prospects, outfielder Austin Meadows, and right-hander Tyler Glass now, but it comes after a six-week run that got the Pirates back in contention and rewrote expectations for the season. This is from uh, ESPN's David Schoenfield. Archer hasn't matched the lofty heights he reached in 2014-15 as he has a 4.10 ERA the past three seasons, including a 4.31 mark and 17 starts in 2018. Still, he's a solid starter, though more of a number 2-3 these days than the potential ace he looked a few years ago, and he has been durable other than missing a few starts this year with an abdominal strain. What makes Archer so valuable beyond his ability is his contract. He's under term through 2021 Uh, that's not something that uh, anybody should lose sight of these are not rental guys they didn't go out and get Brian Dozier for the last two months Uh, that's why they were willing to invest what they invested Uh, and Archer he's just not under control he is signed it's not arbitration eligible years he's coming up on there are specific salaries uh, so they know exactly what uh, they're going to be spending on him and they can uh, build their their roster and their payroll accordingly. Uh, last but not least from Matt Snyder of CBSSports.com. Right up front, we have to point out that the Pirates stealing Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now would have landed them a pretty huge return a few years ago, and the trading Garrett Cole this past offseason wasn't the move of an expected contender. There also aren't time machines laying around for Neil Huntington to hop into. Getting a controllable Chris Archer over, over in the NL Central instead of the AL East 
was a nice move that will help beyond this season. That's a pretty good point, too. I wonder how this guy's going to do when he's not facing the Yankees and the Red Sox all the time. <laughs> that should help. It's uh, Some big yards there, too. You know, and, and moves that uh, I don't think anybody uh, saw coming. Uh, do, do you think uh, the conversations between uh, Clint Hurdle and Neil Huntington, Huntington would, you know, Grab Hurdle. Uh, hey, we're trying to get Chris Archer. And Hurdle's response: Yeah, right. Yeah, keep working on that. Yeah, probably. Family. I got a, I got a game to worry about. <laughs> he pulled it off. Uh, not, uh, not something that a lot of people saw coming. But they, they now have uh, a real solid starter. And uh, Keone Kella is nobody's talking about him since the Archer trade kind of trumped that one. But I think Kella's going to be a real useful acquisition. I also think that the the good problem you're going to have is what I mentioned to Joe Musgrove. Don't you think there's going to be times where a hurdle's going to be pulling guys before they want to get pulled? Cause <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, I, you know, uh, last night maybe a pretty good example if they, if they had everybody in place. Uh, Tyone went out for the seventh, and he got a couple outs, but he had been rocky in the sixth. And that was maybe one of those times if you had a 7th, 8th, and ninth inning guy set up, go for it. I also wonder if they might uh, match up a little bit in the ninth inning. With with, with uh, flipping up uh, Art, or, um, Kayla and uh, Vasquez. Vasquez, yeah. It's not usually done that way. Usually, you know, usually the closer's the closer. Mm-hmm. And he, he goes against uh, whoever is batting. But uh, it's, it's at least an option. Uh, we'll see. And, you know, we were joking about this yesterday with Adam Barry. Um, or maybe it was last uh, – no, it was the start of the week. I don't think – yeah, yesterday. Okay. Um, he, You know, they have two guys that can close now because uh, Kella has – he's got 24 saves. Vasquez got his 24th last night. So if you get in one of those situations where uh, you don't want to overuse Vasquez, you have an option. God, and, that's got to be one of the most terrifying back-end bullpens in the league. Well, they took, you know, Crick came in throwing hard last night. Uh, they, they've got some arms down there. Mike Pursuit alive from Steelers training camp. We'll be hey, joining can I say you. One more thing, Randall. Sure, go ahead. Sports This Hour was brought to you by Barstool Sports Rough and Rowdy Brawl. That's on August the 5th. Oh, how about that? Our friend Bill Burr will be uh, joining Big Cat. And uh, and uh, the, I think, I'm not sure who was with them on that. Is it Presidente, that dude? Yeah. Yeah. There's the third guy I saw a picture Portnoy. on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. Dave Portnoy. 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 That's it. Yes. Jerry Garcia would have been 76 today, so we're using him as the, the old music bed from the How Sweet It Is 1997 live album, Jerry Garcia Band. Who was Portnoy in Bloom County? I don't know. I don't know. I know Portnoy's complaint was the Philip Roth novel, and uh, that's all my Portnoy knowledge. That's all I got for you. I thought you liked Bloom County. I did, but I don't remember. I remember Opus and Bill the Cat and uh, what was the guy's name? Not Steve. That's What is that from? Is it Steve? It's Steve. I believe so. And then there was another one after Bloom County that just did not go so well. Yeah. Oh, the glorious days of opening up an actual newspaper and going right Port- to the comics and eating cereal. Portnoy was the groundhog. Oh, okay. Uh, we're going to be heading out to Steelers training camp coming up here after the show. We'll be there all afternoon for the uh, afternoon practice. Tonight we'll be doing live from the Trobe with Mike Pursuta, which will be sh- rain gear. Sharky, 7 to 9, right? You think it'll get rained out today? Uh, it's We're getting rain this morning. Uh, stay tuned, stay in touch, all that good stuff. Right on. Okay. But uh, tomorrow broadcasting live from Lake Trobe. So we'll be out there for the next couple of days. A lot of Steeler talk coming your way, but man, hard to not 
put the uh, Buckos to the front of the line right now after yesterday's huge day. Who saw that coming, Mike? Not me. No but one. I'll tell you what, it's it's it was really fun down there last night. It felt like real baseball. Not hey, I'm going with my friends or my family and I'm yeah. gonna have a couple beers and hope somebody turns a double play. It felt right. like there was a, an air of intensity because of those trades and expectation uh, and anticipation. It's uh, the, the the landscape has changed. Beautiful. Mike Pursuto, checking with you. Uh, well, we'll see you in about uh, three hours or so. Drive safe. All right, man. We'll see you. Up next, Mark Madden joining us live in studio right here on the DB Morning Show. Let Jerry play a little bit. 76. I don't think he would have made it to 76, but he should have made it longer than 53. What if he got skinny? What if he got healthy? Like Leslie West from Mountain. That would have looked weird, though, wouldn't it have? Skinny Jerry? Yeah. There was a skinny Jerry at one point. But, like, dieting Jerry? Yeah. The Grateful Diet? Probably would not have happened that way, yeah. He was, I mean, a lot of people go on heroin and they get very thin. <laughs> Jerry was what made him so special. Uh, put some Jerry in your life today. All right. Mark Madden next. I'm talking about Bill Crawford. I, I know you you're wouldn't. talking about. It's the DVE morning show. Mark Madden is joining us right now on, on the program. Mark, here's my first question for you today. Mark does a radio program, uh, folks. On uh, our brother station, 105.9. Quite popular. I've do, heard it. They do. It's, it's, uh, it's really good. He does sports talk. He has mm-hmm. a, a great uh, uh, Thing s- slew of guests on. on a daily basis. Yeah, it's terrific. And uh, he is a very opinionated radio disc jockey. And so my that first. doesn't come across on the show. My first question to you is this. Disc jockey. Um, uh, we're your DJ, right? Reb Beach always calls me that. I consider him a talk host. He always says. Introduces me. Yeah, Mark's a DJ from Pittsburgh. I know. It's always funny when people do that. DJ, like, well, I mean, yeah, technically. Yeah. Spinning the hits on 105.9 The X. Here's hey, the big everybody. bopper. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Pirates. Big moves yesterday, Archer. But first, I the Eagles. I don't even know her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, Lev Bell, uh, a video emerges <laughs> of, <laughs> of Le'Veon Bell at a strip club. And uh, now I phrased it earlier that it looked like he was practicing running behind Ramon Foster. Well, <laughs> very good. You may hear that again. Uh, so, Three Mark just, it just announces his rips now. He's like, I'm stealing that. Well, um, I have no objection with him being in a strip club. 26 year old guy. I have no objection to anybody. No, me neither. I don't being care. in a strip club. Um, I saw like a fanboy blog saying this should be the Steelers' excuse to pull the franchise tag. I don't think so. No. But Lev Bell should be criticized for being a multimillionaire and feeling up the worst strip club ass I've ever seen in my life. It was like somebody put on golf shoes and stepped in cottage cheese. For the love of God, Lev, what are you thinking? You can afford to, you can afford to hire the A-team. I know because I can afford to hire the A-team. Good Lord. And he has a lot more money than me. What was happening there? It looked like... He looked like oh, that poor woman. I just I feel bad for the for the woman. Val asked for what the stripper? Yeah, why? She her in- ass is taking unnecessary <laughs> criticism. <laughs> no, it's, it's Bill. It's very necessary criticism. You know all that money on the floor, the green. 
if she had vision problems, I thought she might start to graze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, you know, the tattoos, I thought they were brands. That was some cattle ass there. <laughs> She looked like she may have not been twerking or, or, or dancing. It looked like she was injured. If she twerks, she might never come up. <laughs> Here's the thing about it. All right. I, You'll hear all these again later as well. <laughs> none of them offend me. It doesn't offend me that he's at a strip club. But like the timing of it. It's not a smart move. The optics of this are bad for several reasons for this guy. It's not. It, it only serves to further the the cause against keeping levy on bell any further because he is prone to doing dumb things it's this no, is a this is further justification for his judgment isn't where it needs to they're be they're not going to keep him any further i mean this is his no, last year i know he knows it they know it so why not <laughs> well, again, because he still has to go to another team who still has to reckon with the fact that if he gets one more drug suspension he's done for a year despite what they invest in him and uh you know he he had knocks about not being ready to play what? when he came in last year after skipping camp, and this year instead of being you know doing a B drills out on the beach, he's, he's doing uh, getting slappy down in South Beach. <laughs> yeah. What love Bell? That girl's from South Beach. Yeah, that's oh my what God. I'm saying. I, How? I thought that had to be like at Silky's and McKee's Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> like... That South Beach stripper yeah. ass. Oh, it's, for the love of that God. That makes it totally unacceptable. But, but, but you know, maybe it's like one of those haircut places where you can go in and they just, they're like learning how to, to cut hair so you get a discount when <laughs> a you go stole. in. She was shadowing a real stripper. Yeah, that might have been oh, yeah intern then, stripper. Or, or one, one half of her ass was shadowing the other half, Bill. It was, <laughs> it was just, I, 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 when I put that video on, I, I didn't expect to be scandalized because I've been in the trenches, obviously. But like, I watched that video and I go, what the F is this? It's offensive for many reasons. One yes. of them it being a strip club. Not on the list. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. What do you mean not on the list? Wait, it's, the, the fact like, that he's in a strip fine. club isn't offensive. It's oh, no. the quality of the yeah, stripper. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, like Randy said, it is a bad optic, Val, because he's not at work. Yeah. But then again, he's not under contract to be at work. He's not an employee. And I got to tell you, Randy. He is under contract he, to he be He could at recruit. Work. No, he's not. Franchise tag. Nope, you have to sign it. He's not an employee right now. He's not subject to any of the Steelers' oh. scheduling. He's not subject to drug testing, and thank God for that, I think. Uh, but but, uh, but let's face it. You're probably not wrong about that. That might be the that real reason why he skips pee, camp. Please. Well, there was a, a debate on Twitter last week about why people love AB and they don't love Lev Bell. Because Lev Bell has lacks the one ability an athlete needs. That's availability. He's not at camp. He holds mm -hmm. out. He's been suspended. He's been injured. Whereas Antonio Brown, you know, he's quirky, but he works his ass off and he delivers every time. He, that's The work ethic is unquestionable. Uh, you know, everything you see. I mean, he makes spectacular catches at practice. You know, he If is, that stripper had A.B.'s work ethic, she'd be on the cover of Penthouse. <laughs> you might not be wrong I'm about trying that. to see this whole thing with uh, black and gold tinted sunglasses. Black and, and yellow. Yeah. That's been changed. Black apparently. and yellow. Okay. Oh, Chris, that drives me crazy too. I know, Archer I know, wrote it's black wrong. and yellow. Wiz doesn't get to change it. I love Wiz. He doesn't get to change it to black and yellow. You love nor, Wiz? Nor, yeah, I do. Nor does Chris Archer. Why do you love Wiz? I think he's a Pittsburgh original. Yeah, okay. Um You don't like him? No, I'm just surprised that you do. Yeah, no, I like I think he's very good. Okay. What about I'm not the, a, I'm not a rap guy, but I do recognize the the tops in any genre, and he is. All right, so the rose-colored glasses slash black and yellow colored glasses. Yeah, maybe he's just <laughs> taking. Maybe he's just taking some snaps. Maybe they're planning on running some wildcat this year. I, 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 I'm trying. To, I'm by the way. I'm trying to start a trend. Uh, and this, this, I stole this as well. Uh, I think the third person to go to Tampa in the deal, the Chris Archer deal, should be Pittsburgh Dad. 
I won't uh, abide that. I won't right. endorse that. So here's here, <laughs> okay, the Clark. Here's something you ha- you might want to consider. No, that's terrible. Le'Veon Bell was there with his girlfriend. I know. Okay, so is it possible that Lev Bell was just trying to show his girlfriend a non-realistic picture of what strip clubs are like? So he's like, "Oh, it's not, baby. When I go to the strip club, it's there's nothing. Look, just, come with I me. Just slap the check it out. And, and she's like, "Oh, I'm not threatened by any of these women. Oh, it's okay. You can go to the strip club whenever I, I, you want." I think it's far more likely him and his girlfriend wind up in a three-way with American Pharaoh there. American fair. What? Hey, man! If that's what he likes, that's what he likes. You know? No, nobody likes that. No. no. What could he yeah, even think? When you go to a strip club, don't you want better than what you're capable of getting? <laughs> well, actually, that still is better than what I'm capable of getting. <laughs> but uh, but no. When when I go to strip clubs, and you know, by the way, I've almost retired. I very uh, rarely go. I just recommended you for a strip club gig last week. Really? I'm in. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said almost. I said you almost. Didn't, That's you didn't right. Say but, but, uh, but like when I when I go to a strip club, like you know, like the great Chris Jericho, the, the wrestler said, I should just wear a baseball cap that says "sucker" on it. But uh, but one thing I do do if if a girl who is not up to my lofty standard, and by lofty standard I mean the lofty standard of my money, mm-hmm. I just say get lost, no chance. Sure, right there. Goodbye. Uh, Mark Madden's on 105. Because women do that to me everywhere else, Randall. Uh, you, the, I still think you're going to find your soulmate out there. Yeah. Uh, 105.9 The X. Maybe, Beach, maybe. maybe American Pharaoh. <laughs> <laughs> I think your soulmate's going to gallop into your life one of these days. <laughs> and, and trample me. Right. <laughs> so, uh, check out Mark. Uh, three. There's a sexual euphemism, by the way. Nobody seems to know what this is. Hmm. Uh, called trampling. Okay. Yeah. It, it it means something. That's not a euphemism. CEOs like to get stepped on by girls in heels. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Go That's... listen to Frank Zappa's Carolina Hardcore Ecstasy. It explains that whole trampling. trampling. Yeah. So that is a thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know what else? Here's another thing, because your your listeners are much more hip than mine. Obviously, years ago, I was uh, walk. I was like a, a young lad. I was walking from the upper parking lot to the Penguin game, and uh, two young ladies approached me and said. Hey man, you got the Merv? Mm. Go, what are you talking about? You know, man, the Merv. You got the Merv? What's uh, the Merv? Uh, Scott Mervis from the Post Gazette. No. Mer- Merv Griffin? <laughs> no. No, you it's got the be, interviews? No, it's got to be some kind of drug, right? So, uh, like ecstasy? I don't know. Merv. This, Val, this was pre ecstasy. This is a long time ago. Oh. Mer- Me- maybe it's meth. This is one of the enduring mysteries of my life that I've never figured out what the Merv is some 30 years later. Maybe it, it's meth. That's the only thing I can think of. Oh, well, that yeah. I had. And they were trying to ask you, but they were chewing their lip as they asked you. Right. What does that even mean? All right. A little Carl- Carolina hardcore ecstasy to go out on. Thanks to Jeff Congel, Mr. Wednesday. Thanks to Stephen Nesbitt from the Post-Gazette for talking about uh, the pirate acquisitions there. Also, how about thanks- those bucks? How about those, those battling bucks? I think it's great that we congratulate them for doing at long last what they should have been doing all along. Thanks to uh, Rocky Blyer and Gene Collier for coming in today. The new issue of Fighting Back is going to be uh, released. It is right now, actually. It includes two new chapters from Gene Collier and a forward from Alejandro Villanueva with proceeds from the purchase of this new issue of Fighting Back going to veterans groups. Also, thanks to the Pirates, Joe Musgrove, for joining us last half hour. You and get pirate guests. Yes, sir. Wow, that's great. Yeah, pretty cool. I haven't had one for... Since A.J. Burnett's last season.
Maybe you should be nicer to people. F it, no. All right, listen to uh, Mark Madden, three to six. I'd rather have that stripper on. <laughs> Dude, you got to get that stripper on. Get the stripper yeah. on. How do you not do that? Oh, I have a pretty good idea how we don't do that. Yeah, you, you can get that. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Michelle's coming up next. We're headed out to camp to be like Mike. We'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.